0: Welcome to the Pure Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Sauer, and I've got my co-host with me, Mr. Elric Kane.
1: You and I both know that I've had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) Uh, That's me, and I haven't had a nervous breakdown. Uh, I've just been (laughs) waiting for this episode to land, and boy, is it going to be a doozy. Uh, That that quote that you just heard me say is from what I can't call a classic, but it is from a movie from Canada called Kathy's Curse
2: the Gimbal's daughter, Kathy, see through Kathy's eyes. Just when you thought horror films reached an intensely shocking peak of terror, here is Kathy's Curse.
1: Which we are starting our show with, and there'll be a little hint to what the topic might be in a minute. Uh, Brian, unlike me, had never seen Kathy's Curse.
0: I thought I had seen it. I was wrong. He'd yeah. never
1: had this pleasure. So, uh Seven Films is putting this out. This is a kind of title... Uh, that's spoken about in dark corridors of nerddom, <laughs> solely by Brian Collins.
0: I was gonna say, is, is Collins the only one? By horror movie day, well, he, he
1: talked about it so much. This movie to me, and I thought I'd never see it. And then I was at a, a new uh, a cine Family all-nighter uh, a couple years ago, and it came on. Like uh, it was one of those great nights where Bad Taste played, and I was like, oh, you know, it felt like it was being played for me. And then Kathy's Curse came on afterwards, and I just remember going, "Holy!" And Brian was sitting next to me, jumping out of his seat
0: wow that's an amazing double feature and
1: it it's a it's a, it's a remarkable movie but it was a movie that uh it's very it was very hard to find a good copy of it uh very marginalized and, for for good reason um in some senses uh and uh i was on an episode of shockwaves i don't know if you heard this uh with the Severin guys came onto our uh show and they were saying we were talking about like possible titles and in the middle of the show for no reason i'll like oh you guys gotta release kathy's curse and the, I don't want to say the blood drain from their faces, but they both looked kind of shocked, and they said, "Oh, we were going to." And it was like one of the <laughs> it was one of the most home run moments I've ever had in podcasting. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my god!" And then I had to like straight away. I'm texting Brian, going, "Oh
2: my god, they're gonna." <laughs>
1: and so this is the day has finally come. And the reason we got it a little earlier is because we we told Severin, "Hey, we want to. I'm going to talk about this movie up front, and I, and I have a topic in mind for the show that I'm dying to do, and we're going to have so much fun doing." Uh, but about the film itself. <laughs> Let's not let's not gloss over it. Uh, it's got a young girl. It's basically a uh, let's call it a riff on, uh, I guess, a number of movies, m- most notably The Exorcist. Though I see a lot of Amadeville there too, uh, and there's a, there's a, a direct homage to d- Don't Look Now, oh my god, in the lake. And I just my mind went, oh my god, that's actually a recreation of the Don't Look Now scene. Wow,
0: I, that just flew right by me when I watched. Yeah,
1: no, last night I, I got it. Uh, so this is this is now on beautiful pristine Blu-ray. Uh, I'm going to start with just your your first impression because it's the first time you see it, and the difference between how you saw it and how I saw it might be the critical factor in how this movie should be viewed.
0: Well, I mean, I would love to have seen it with a crowd. I yeah. can't imagine what it's like with a crowd. Yeah. Um, in fact, you were saying that you think the ideal environment is probably to watch it with, have a party, and watch it with a bunch. I mean, of I people.
1: think it's I think it's one of the great movies for that. And 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 let's just quickly talk about what good and bad movies are. <laughs> Uh, a bad movie, which we we talked a little bit about that Turkey Awards and stuff like that. But people use the term I'm like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. But the reality is, if there's if there's something, if you're calling something a bad movie, but you're highly entertained by it, I find that like a little suspect. Like if I, I, like I could say it's poorly made, a terribly made movie, but to call it bad would say I didn't enjoy it. And if I enjoy something, then instantly it's probably a good movie of some kind. Absolutely, some sort of reaction to it. So I want to hear. <laughs>
0: Well, it's it's hugely entertaining. Uh, it is batshit crazy. I mean, the word. I mean, it's like uh, it's not quite as crazy as like something like extra or something like that. But it's it's fucking nuts, man. And I and I get. I was actually listening to the. the There's a commentary uh, with Brian Collins and Simon Barrett. Um, and Brian's talking about how certain scenes, like they. There's two cuts of the film on the Blu-ray, by the way. There's a director's cut and an alternate U.S. US release cut. And their commentary is on the U.S. version.
1: And I, and I would encourage you, like a lot of movies, to start with the leaner one. Uh, I haven't checked out the extra scenes, but I asked Brian Collins before we started. And I think it's because uh, the theatrical, you know, this is a movie that was born to be 80 minutes long. It was not born to be ninety one minutes <laughs> that that ten minutes different could be the matter of whether you like this thing or you you know you survive and have a good time because i I think that's important. I think it's mostly exposition right? Up yeah, front.
0: and I, and according to the commentary, and I guess, Brian, that the extra scenes explain some things, which in a way doesn't help the movie because yeah. I'd much rather have weird non sequitur shit that I have no idea what the hell was that kind of and who's this character. That, that character's a medium? What? That was never a... St- There's so many characters that are not a More stab- like
1: a rare piece of shit, but <laughs> <laughs> these are end jokes that you'll have to watch this movie for.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's something else, though. It was hugely entertaining to me, though, like I said, and uh, it's just one that I'm so glad is in this Blu-ray because I feel like... I don't know, as much as Brian Champion's in the movie, I feel like there's a ton of people.
1: Who haven't heard of it. Exactly. I, I don't, I mean, look, I wouldn't have seen it if I wasn't at that one screening. So maybe in Canada, you know, it's part of exploitation. I know it's shot in Montreal. The cool thing about this Blu-ray is it has a uh, interview with Kathy herself all grown up, you know, 40 years later, this movie's 40 years later, and she's trying to grapple with the idea that you know people even remember this, and, and she's being interviewed with her mom. Who made this, how old would she have been, eight? Yeah, I think so. Eight-year-old, you know, and I, the first thing I was going to ask you is, like, would you have let your daughter act in this movie? Because she swears to the, you know, there's all the swearing where she's just, like, attacking this old medium.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I, 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 I was telling you that I don't, it didn't occur to me, like, I didn't connect this movie with the real world. So, like... <laughs> So, like, I didn't think, because there's a lot of movies where I'll watch it, and I'll be like, oh, there's a daughter. I have a daughter. I can connect to that. This w- didn't feel like this planet, so I didn't think of it as an earthly daughter, or an earthly Well, even universe.
1: worse than the daughter. Do- For me, the mom might have oh my God. the my least favorite voice in the entire canon of movies. When she starts talking, at the start, I'm just like, oh, no, oh, no. You know, she's she's beautiful, and I actually looked her up, and she had been in a Dushan Makovic movie, sweet movie. Oh, She had a wow. role in that, and I was like, oh, my God, how'd you go wow. from that to Kathy's good? Uh, but it, her voice is, oh, I mean, you know, it's just one of those weird, shrill... Uh, voices And yeah, I think what you're hitting on is very important about the movie is the version that, that we're talking about, the theatrical, uh, it even opens with title cards that still don't clue you into what the fuck's going on. Apparently,
0: Brian recreated those cards, uh, by the way. Interesting. Um, so that's, the, he, he helped. But they are totally like explaining the movie in a way that even most... Uh, expository title cards don't it's just so
1: (laughs) yeah I mean just to give you a little I mean a little context we'll definitely put the trailer up to this for this episode because you might have zero context but it opens with a guy with a curly mustache trying (laughs) trying to get his daughter uh, and it's from the past I don't know if we know that at the time tries to drag her out of the house saying we have to leave we have to leave and I don't really understand what's going on and then they get in a car and they (laughs) they drive a few feet and then they see a (laughs) a bunny (laughs) on the road and so she makes him crash his car and they burn to death (laughs) <laughs> and then you're like wait what happened and then it just cuts to like i don't know 20 years later or something and you or longer and you're just maybe it's 30 years later and you're like i don't know who these people moving into this house are now for the longest time i did not realize they're related to those people
0: i think there's a quick card that says it's like okay. a brother that we didn't <laughs> yeah. see the anyway
1: and yeah and then basically this girl kathy uh she slowly uh well not slowly straight away she picks up, she picks up this doll that has its eyes like plucked out uh this little you know makeshift dolly uh and she sees this weird um this weird portrait painted portrait in the attic and from then on she's basically being possessed by her what would be her aunt i guess when her aunt was a little kid I guess that's who's possessing her. It's a movie where don't come here for answers, <laughs> but do come here for entertainment and stuff you just can't, you just don't see in movies. Like, and, e- and I mean even movies that are trying to rip off cool movies. And th- this movie is being made, and the craziest thing is the guy who made it has like produced all this like, really high-end art stuff for uh europe he was like a really a big european uh producer wow. and i was looking him up and he's in the interview too and and so he comes from this and he in the interview he says oh well, i just knew i had to make something to make money so exorcist was doing really well so we <laughs> we made this movie uh but slowly as she gets possessed it, the weird thing about this movie is none of the kind of relationships make any sense uh and it sticks to that tried but true canadian format which is uh you know crazy perverts with great wallpaper which anytime i talk about (laughs) can exploitation i throw that one out there because the wallpaper is fantastic no it is canada you're doing it right unfortunately all your men are weirdo perverts like the old guy in this movie He's got her on his knee at one point, is singing and is drunk, and I'm like, "Something's going on here. I don't feel good about this. No. I don't want you to show this to your daughter I, it's for at least happened. another year." <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it's a super weird movie, and uh, the reason, but but it's like I really I really stand by this one in terms of quality of fun with people. Uh, watching it alone again, I still la- I chuckled a bit, uh, and I you know still kind of marvel at it, but I think. There's a handful of movies that have been made that when you watch it with a group of people, it's like magic. It springs to life. And this was uh, one of, funnily enough, uh, two of my favorite all-time screenings I've been to. And the next one will be like when I get to my list, my number five, which is a very similar kind of movie. So uh, we want to definitely plug it. We want to, Severin Films has got it out. They took a pretty bold risk in putting something like this out. So let's hopefully reward them.
0: Yeah, I would say fans of like, kind of bonkers Italian cinema. Uh It feels like that to me. Like in my notes, I'm like, like Fulci directing the visitor question mark Uh or something. I mean, it's not quite as crazy or out there as the visitor, but like part of me was like, this feels Italian. And I, for a while I thought it was, and I started to realize, oh, it's Canadian. Yeah. But, Wow, but it's- French Canadian, <laughs> French Canadian. God <laughs> knows what they're that's doing. That's the thing.
1: Um, so this is, this one's a lot of fun, and the the inspiration behind this. So we picked this. We knew this was coming out a few weeks ago, and we both kind of straight away said, "Oh, well, a topic that would be fascinating, uh, fascinating because it's just one something that's not that's not talked about enough. I don't think I've ever heard a really great podcast all in on it. Is this concept of cinematic ripoffs?" Uh, which could be, you know, a broad category. Uh, I'm thinking like Yojimbo to Fistful Dollars. Uh, and, and so we're talking basically unofficial remakes that weren't sanctioned, uh, non-sequels, I'm assuming. Uh, and, you know, basically if Hollywood sees a pattern of something, somebody else says, oh, that's making money. I'm going to do that, but without asking permission, put my own weird spin on it. And that's And it's that part that will separate interesting movies from less interesting movies is if you put a spin on it. Uh, Tarantino, I think, you know, uh, Mike White, listening to this from Projection Booth, you're going to enjoy this. Uh, uh, yeah, City on Fire, Ringo Lamb's film, you know, Quentin, obviously, if you see stills compared, it really lifted it heavily. But he's Quentin Tarantino, so he's found a way to put his own spin his own voice to this thing and make it unique so I don't view it as a negative thing even this word ripoff I think uh, I think Jarmouche or somebody had a great quote that I always uh, tell students which is uh, it's not where you lift it from it's where you lift it to especially in cinema so it's different if you plagiarize somebody's essay you're plagiarizing an essay when you take a film it's it's already changing the second you're putting actors in your movie so So we'll see. It's it's Slippery Soap. So uh, what we wanted to do is something we've wanted to do since the start, right? Uh, Some guests.
0: Yes, we have our first in-person guests.
1: And we probably couldn't start with a better guest, especially for this topic. Uh, Someone we both are big fans of, and uh, his name is Steven Scarlatta. I'll welcome you.
3: Thank you very much for having me, <laughs> especially as your first guest. I really i am very humbled. I love your show. Thank
0: you, sir.
1: Well, uh, Stephen, uh, for this topic especially, uh, Stephen had also been, if you uh, dig this, he was an epi- uh, on an episode of Killer POV back in the day and it was one of my favorites. Uh, we were talking all about shark exploitation movies, and he had just <laughs> the craziest movies. I love them. I watched because you were coming on that, that episode and stuff. That <laughs> kind of blew my mind. Um, but, yeah, Stephen, uh, like we knew him, I got to know uh, you through Jump Cut and meetings at some screenings, and how would you guys?
0: Uh, we go way back, Steve and I. We, um, we were both big, and probably still are, big listeners to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, and I remember hearing his voice on the viewer was what were they the, the yeah, voicemails
3: like, yeah voicemails but it was also a show show oh my gosh it that's right during their like spooktaculars. yes yes I think at one point it was just I, I always refer to you as Rupert it was Rupert and I were like we're like the two main guys calling into that show all the time and then Rupert reached out to me on Twitter and then we just became friends and Then he invited me over to his house to watch movies. And then he'd have these really sick Shane Black parties full of arcade games at his pad (laughs) every year. And I used to go to. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's going back years ago now. Oh, yeah. Long time. Like, yeah, just through podcasts. We became friends. And then, and then I. would follow him and then just see all these awesome important movies he'd be watching important <laughs> and, and make me feel like really guilty for what I'm watching oh my Well, we're all on the same level today yes, yes. <laughs> no, but, no, I, I, you guys like always drop in like serious like real film knowledge on this show so I'm well, we well, appreciate yes, that. I'm a little frightened. You gave me was... one of
1: my favorite, uh, one of the things <laughs> that I think I, no, I didn't know this about you before I met you, but one of my favorite films of uh, three, four years ago, or however long it was now, uh, that you produced was Jedorowski's Dune. And I feel like there's probably no filmmaker who's a bigger reason me and me and Brian are sitting at the table for in terms of the book that we came together about, which is cult movies. It's how I discovered El Topo. And then watching that in the theater, I just I just completely loved it. I loved hearing Jedorowski in his own words telling this story. And, you know, you brought that that to the screen and uh, this year, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Jackson Stewart's director debut Beyond the Gates, you're a co-writer on.
3: Which I love that movie. Uh, thank you very much. I was very, very lucky to be a part of both those projects.
1: I don't know if you're lucky. I think you're just, I think you're an engine, my man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so uh, I couldn't think of anyone better to come on for <laughs> this particular talk. So I did want to, the only thing I wanted to start by asking was like, uh, for both, for all of us, was like, do you remember the first movie you are watching that you, ha- as a kid or whatever, had a suspicion like something wasn't right and that it was like some sort of a knockoff on something you already liked?
3: You go first. Oh, I'm well, here go first. Yes, wow. Sir. It's, um. Yeah, it was, for me, uh, a movie called uh, No Retreat, No Surrender. I remember seeing the commercials all the time, and the martial arts looked really good in it, and none of my video stores carried it, so I had to wait that long year-and-a-half haul for it to come on HBO. And then when it came out, it didn't premiere until later that month. So I remember, like, really wanting to see it, and then eventually it came on HBO and started watching it, and little by little... Started realizing, like, hey, this is the Karate Kid. This is like, a, this <laughs> is a ripoff. <laughs> I, I didn't know they could do that. Like, that was the first time I ever realized, like, whoa, this is the Karate Kid. Like, how did they get, a, how did they get away with this? And I was just dumbfounded. But I really enjoyed the movie a lot, and it's the movie that introduced me to Van Damme, and I became a really big Van Damme fan. From that moment on, well, I didn't, I mean, it wasn't until I saw the trailer for Cyborg and I put that actor together with the guy from No Retreat, No Surrender. Van Damme's only in the first two scenes of the film, but he steals the film, you know, because the martial arts and No retreat No surrender you know i will say it is better than the karate kid because there's actual like fast paced There's real fighting uh, somebody's ri-
1: writing that quote down it's better than the karate kid that's all that's going to be remembered <laughs> the, from the show <laughs> the fight scenes are okay. <laughs> i'm not it's, saying it's in the world now it's too late steven yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kra- yeah
3: karate kids a classic you know i grew up watching it because you know back in the 80s it was not cool to get... I mean, people, you got bullied all the time. That's why I watched so many movies. I was trapped home watching movies because it was... You had
0: gangsters waiting outside your door?
3: Oh uh, Well, there was, a, there was a rogue group of kids on bicycles that ride around the neighborhood that wanted my bike. So oh, was, my God. Yeah, so it was like... To get to the video store was really frightening. I had to dodge these kids. Yikes. He literally grew up as Stone Cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was a character like, in Stone Cold. Yeah. Or Tough Turf or something. Yeah. It was like that, man, in Long Island. It was pretty... You know, it might sound funny, but kids... You'll always kids were always getting beat up. So the Cry Kid was like a really important film, you know. You got it because I could relate to the character. And then I saw No Retreat, No Surrender. Instead of the mystical Mr. Miyagi, he gets trained by the ghost of Bruce Lee, you know. And so <laughs> that's, that's
1: great. Is do you think the uh, this kind of ripoff? And I mean, it was all different countries, were obviously you know Turkey, India. But do you think it was just a product of the you know crazy VHS boom of that period and needing product to fill shelves, or?
3: I wonder because it came out... What was the Cruddy Kid was... 84, I think? Eight, yeah, 84. And so No Retreat, No Surrender was around 87. Mm. And it really does feel it's time because there's breakdancing, there's rapping in it, you know? Sounds it's, like a canon movie. It almost feels <laughs> like it. It's, it's a very... Classic enter, it's a very entertaining movie. I just think, you know, as we go through these rip-offs we'll kind of see that these movies are mostly also just based off of just big films like a movie comes out it's huge and you get so many then you start getting the rip-offs yeah
1: you know and it becomes a weird tidal wave of weird rip-offs ripping off other things and Mm -hmm. uh, what about you did you have one in that
0: i'm trying to remember um maybe like piranha or something Uh,
1: yeah where you re- first realize it's like a water thing. I, yeah, the only reason I asked it is because I had I didn't remember until we started researching it, and then I had this like I was hit with this wave of disappointment. I remember watching what is it called? Uh, it's Richard Chamberlain as Alan Quartermain in oh, King Solomon's yes, Mind. Yes. and I remember going, That's, oh, yes. it looks so good." And I was so excited. and I'm watching. I think I was watching on TV or something. You know, when I'm young. And then at a certain point, I'm like, Oh, but it's not Indiana. He's not Harrison. He's not Indiana Jones. Like it doesn't matter how great these fight scenes are or how great. There's something missing. And you're there's something about that actor who was not the guy. And so, so that's a big, you know, a big rip off. Like I mean, it feels like a big movie. And weirdly enough, I looked it up, and you know, Courtermain was around before. Indy as a character but they they basically changed everything from the books to just be like indiana jones for the movie
0: <laughs> so that's it, probably the first one now that i think about it yeah it's so.
1: it's one of those weird movies that but i was i was disappointed unlike you where you kind of it, it was a positive rip off. this one i i sensed a that idea of imitation kind of like when you don't see the painting in the in the louvre you see the you buy the poster of it it's that subtle reproduction kind of difference
3: yeah, what's so funny is i, I my dad and I snuck into that in the theaters, and it never—I never put two and two together. It was a Raiders of the Lost Ark ripoff. I just thought it was just—I—I I never thought about that. Yeah, know? but you are right, though. It, it was because it—it did spawn from that, and all the booby traps and everything. <laughs> I mean, some people probably out there like it better.
1: There's somebody out there. Oh, yeah. I want to hear from that person. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's it's the better one of the two.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one's uh, n- no good. Uh, but, you know, just, I mean, there's a couple I just wanted, like, you know, just before we went into our list, you know, uh, obviously, Last House and Left is uh, a, a really cool one. Like, so sometimes people are doing it in a way that's, like, I think a real productive way because it's like, oh, I'm remaking Virgin Spring, but I'm going to make it, you know, this grisly exploitation film that most n- 99% of people won't know as a r- ripoff. Uh, and he's again like Tarantino is putting a filter through something so it becomes a real movie in that sense uh, but uh, I, I did want to mention because it's not on any of our lists Lockout uh, from two years ago I think it was uh has finally that case finally because we're, we're basically you watch this movie and you're like oh that's snake plissken and this is escape from new york and then you run down oh, how do these movies get away with it and then i remember hearing oh it didn't <laughs> and it now owes john, john carpenter a whole shit ton of money uh so it's like interesting because it's very rare that i mean I think a couple on our lists might come up as things that actually went into like legal case and stuff but for the most part it's something that just happens and the movies get made and some with the bigger hollywood ones kind of go into the radar like yeah it's like it but it's not a ripoff. But things like the Turkish ones or the Indian, uh, like the Turkish Star Wars. Is it Star Crash or uh, some no, of that's these movies? A, that's a different thing. A uh, different one.
0: I mean, Star Crash is its own thing. And okay. then there's Turkish Star Wars.
1: Yeah, Turkish Star Wars. And then there's uh, the Freddy, how do you, what's the Freddy Krueger? Baal or? Bollywood? Yeah, oh, the well, Bollywood.
3: It starts with an M. What's it called? Yeah, Mahal or something. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, which, you know, I didn't watch for this, but I'm kind of
3: tempted at some point. <laughs> it, it, it's a fun watch. It's The students look like they're 30 years old. Nice. And then there's one dude that's totally dressed up like Michael Jackson from Thriller in it. I so think again, a, like if that
1: was at a at a screening, I think I'd love it if I was in a theater. But watching it at home on YouTube just feels kind of like I'm yeah. a bad person.
3: Well, it's the yeah the the Bollywood ones are yeah they're, they I don't know if you have any Bollywood ones on your list I don't well yeah because Rob I definitely don't yeah Rob Rob G took me to see the the Reswa Dogs uh, Bollywood oh, yeah. rip off uh-huh. wow and, Conti or thing can't yes it can't. and it's interesting because the first hour is um, usual suspects. And then it turns into the shootout from Heat. And then the last (laughs) hour, because this thing is three hours, last hour is Reservoir Dogs. Wow. And in between, there's the gangsters are around the warehouse. They start singing and doing their thing. (laughs) But you, you end up buying it. But it was like, it's three movies in one. And it was pretty amazing. Wow. How they, they're actually going to play it again at the new Bev with the double feature at Reservoir Dogs. It's, <laughs> it's quite entertaining.
1: I love it. Uh, so I guess our list today, uh, we're going to be counting down five films each, uh, like often. Uh, some There might be some overlap. None of us know. Uh, none of us have had a conversation about this. Uh, and I would say uh, some of them are going to be films we genuinely love, and some might be questionable picks that uh, might be fun with audiences. I don't know. I think we're going to bounce all around the place I imagine today. Does that sound about right? I think so. Are you prepared? You look scared today. I'm not scared, I'm ready to go. By the way, we're in person, saying that its yes. only happened in the very first episode of, that you've listened to. I like showing behind the curtain whenever we can. So this is us <laughs> all looking at each other. So if <laughs> things get weird, it's gonna be for a good reason.
3: Why don't we let our guests go first? Yes, I oh, like that man. idea. All right, so number five for me is one, it's one I used to watch on cable constantly as a kid. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older I realized it was such a ripoff. The poster, I could tell, was inspired by Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, I know you're going with this. Yeah, it's uh, Treasure of the Four Crowns. Yes.
2: Forged from the wealth of kings, source of the magical powers of good and evil, unleashed in the hands of a madman. Now, five daring heroes defy the odds in a deadly quest to capture the
3: greatest prize of them all. Go for it. Treasure of the Four Crows. Is this on anyone's list? No, it's on my list, but, <laughs> I've, Not, never, but I, I've never even heard of this Oh, one. my oh, gosh. Treasure of, yeah, it stars a gentleman by the name of Tony Anthony. He's got two first names. <laughs> he did the movie, uh, what's it, uh Sh- Oh, it's a Western, uh, Coming At you, which is... Oh, that's right. Which again, don't bring up Rob G again. He showed me that in 3D. It was pretty amazing. And Treasure is
0: 3D. Treasure
3: was in 3D in the theaters, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if it's going to get released 3D, but... God, I hope so. But the best part of this film is is, is the opening. It's like, they really want you to feel like the opening of Ray's Lost Ark. Uh, Tony Anthony like just pretty much storms this castle that no one's been there forever, you can tell. And it's like they just, they turned Raiders of the Lost Ark to beyond 11 because he there's pterodactyls that come after That's him right. and attack him. Oh, man. There's like crazy dogs. There's vultures. And in Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's that scene in the beginning where Indiana Jones is running from that giant ball. <laughs> and in this one, they like, you know what? They have... Multiple flying flaming balls coming at him <laughs> and coming at the screen, and then there's like skeletons that practically come alive. See, I
1: respect this idea that if you're gonna rip off a movie and go one more, like yeah. throw more shit at us, that I respect.
3: It, it, it's phenomenal. Plus, it opens with a Star Wars in space scroll that's of right. just, oh of, my just God. of madness that I don't even think it comes back into the film really. Oh, that's great! Wow. I yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing because at the ending they got of like. uh They got to get the, you know, the treasure of the four crowns and it's uh, a cult leader that looks like Mick Fleetwood (laughs) has this, but they have this, but the good guys have this crazy panorama. Is that what they're called? Like a model of the whole scene. Oh, the diorama thing. Yeah, uh, the diorama. But but the alarms work on the diorama and everything when they're going through it. Wow.
1: I I don't even have a context in in my (laughs) brain for what this could look like.
3: Well, the movie is madness because the ending, you know, it's lots of batshit booby traps and... The lead, the lead character somehow becomes supernatural, and his hands become (laughs) flamethrowers. Because they, they wanted the ending of Raiders is kind of gory. So yeah, there's like a. I don't want to ruin it for anyone that's going to try to watch it, but there, yeah, it doesn't sound like you could ruin that movie. It sounds like that movie is going to work for everyone.
1: (laughs) It's pretty
0: great. I have a, I have a crappy like bootleg of like Red and Blue 3D. uh, Really, it's not great, but it's it kind of some of those booby traps really
3: pop, as it were. Yeah, I have the VHS of it, the MGM one, and... yeah, it's pretty spectacular. it's a terrible film, but it is such a Raiders as a lost Ark ripoff that's that great. It's just worth watching. If you could watch the opening ten minutes, you'll have like the biggest smile on your face. Would that's it
1: double well with watching Indy? Like the first would it be good with Raiders? Like to watch it back to back or would it just be an overload? <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I
0: don't know. <laughs> I think you gotta give it some space. Okay, I think I okay. think it'd work better with
1: uh King Solomon's yes, minds. Yes, okay. okay. right. yes. I think that would be a great double. Man, you saw me on uh, one one in already. I knew I brought you on here Excellent for a reason, choice, my friend. Excellent uh, choice. You hit a second one. I've done all the too much talking today already. Right,
0: um, so we're talking about Karate Kid Ripoffs, and I know there's more than this one, but I'm going to go with North Shore. Welcome to Pipeline. Bontai Pipeline, one and only. Uh, which I think, I forget what year this is from, but um, basically it is very much uh, Karate Kid Ripoff. Instead of Karate, the uh, it's from '87.
1: Um see? can I see the picture? I'm always curious yeah. if I've recognized poster art from these things. Wow, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, it's 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 the this kid from um his name's Matt Adler, and I'll always know him as Lewis from Teen Wolf because oh, I have yeah. an intimate knowledge of as as Rob G does actually where we're talking about Teen Wolf. Um of the characters and character names from Teen Wolf. So this guy Look at his name. Yeah, I was gonna get to that. All his right. name uh is uh his name is Kane, Rick, Rick Kane. Rick Kane, almost the L of Rick Kane. I'll and take it. So basically, he's a kid from Arizona who wins a surfing contest at like a wave pool. And he gets 500 <laughs> He gets five hundred bucks and he's like, he has his going to Disneyland moment, but instead he's going to the North Shore of Hawaii to surf the big waves. Nice. And he goes there and he's supposed to stay with a dude that he met at some point. And of course, that goes to shit. He basically has no place to stay. He gets all his shit stolen and... Um, but he ends up finding sort of a guru, uh, this guy that makes surfboards that will let him stay at his place and will train him like Miyagi. And then, of course, there's a big competition at the end, and there's a sort of a rival gang of surfers, uh, one of which has a, a cousin played by Nia Peoples who's like an island girl that he sort of falls for, but it's like a, not a Romeo and Juliet, but sort of that sort of thing. So anyway, it's very structurally just like the Karate Kid. Um do you remember
3: those ones? Absolutely. You just blew my mind. I, t- I used to watch this all the time on HBO. And for some reason, when I was a kid, I was like, when I moved to California, I'm going to be a surfer. <laughs> I, I, ever since I've been out here, I've never surfed once. But <laughs> Me that, neither. but I used to watch that movie all the time because there was this really cool thing where the, the, the guru teaches him, like, first with a long board. And then af- right. after he masters each board, he grabs a new board to learn off of. And I just, I always loved those sequences.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I mean, it's. I'm a big fan of 80s montages and yeah. surfing is probably one of the best things you can do as a montage so you get your you know classic 80s soundtrack music I, I couldn't name too many songs in this movie but they all play really well with surfing montages and there's a lot of surfing montages and this
1: is a criterion release right oh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: absolutely it's a nice movie
0: it's nice yeah it's yeah. a totally pleasant you know uh ex- sort of escapist nerd fantasy kind of movie
1: these are like the black holes in my knowledge where it's like movies that be- no i think it's the H am starting to see a picture that it's an hbo thing like it, if you grow up in new zealand or somewhere where we didn't have hbo and it didn't come to video that means there's some movies i've just i've never even seen that poster art you know, it, it didn't even ring. The title didn't ring. I saw Surf Nazis Must Die as a kid, but I never saw that. You know, so. Yeah, there's
0: definitely some of these that were fuel for HBO. Um, yeah. I got to call out real quick John Philbin, who is in uh, The New Kids, by the way. He plays the sort of right hand man to um, uh, Spader. He's like a surfer dude in this movie with blonde, bleach bleached blonde hair, and he's like, n- look resembles nothing like his character in The New Kids. He's also in. Uh, Return of the Living Dead and Point Break. I, I meant to call him out during the New Kids episode, so I have to make note that he's in the movie. Oh, that's right.
3: And and the and the kid, the lead is the villain in Dream a Little Dream, right? Yes. Yeah, you know, I think Adler. The, the, the movie with the weirdest gangs, the tough guys. <laughs> Dude, you that know? movie is <laughs> off the wall, man. Yeah, the, the fact that they get mad at Corey Feldman for not putting moose in his hair—like that's <laughs> the gang. The gang gets pissed at him because of that. But that kid's the, the like the lead gang member. That's there. right. I forgot. I,
0: I saw that he was credited as Dream Little Dream, and I couldn't remember <laughs> what he was in it for, but.
1: Now, I want to do teen gang movies. Oh, we got to. <laughs> we got to do it. Uh, my number five is uh, and I'm sure this director is going to come up again today, uh, whether this film does, but uh, my other favorite screening, I think, uh, of the last couple of years, hadn't seen this movie before. Uh, you know, one, a guy who I just think, you know, had a fascinating run of movies, William Girdler, 1974's Abby. I've got
2: Abby! Abby, the story of a woman possessed.
1: Ooh, Which is, you know, I, that's the kind of thing that maybe if I discovered on video, I would have liked it and thought it was cool. But seeing it on the big screen, I actually thought, the thing about William Girdler is I think he's a pretty good director. Like, all his movies, I, I, I enjoy them all for filmmaking reasons, not, oh, it's terrible. Abby's absolutely batshit fucking bonkers. though. I mean, it's, it's, it's very much like in line with Kathy's, Kathy's curse. I mean, it is literally like somebody said, oh, cool, Exorcist is doing really well. Let's do that but black. And that is the movie. I mean, they change a couple of things, but, I mean, even has the guy, you know, in a foreign – and in this case, it's Africa coming back, you know, with, with a statue. And uh, what's the great line? Of, Ab- Abby doesn't need a man. The devil is her lover now. Uh, but you read every, that like John Huston or something. Oh, yeah. You know, he's, he's dead. Um, it's it's a really interesting movie. And, and then I had no – you know, all, all of Girdler's films, for the most part, are pretty easy to find. Oh, you know, they become easier to find, but Abby never has. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize at the time, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, this is one of the cases, like uh, Lockout, where Warner Brothers <laughs> picked up on it. Uh, the film had made, I love this, the The film, because of the drive-in circuit, uh, the film made $4 million off a $200,000 budget within, like, weeks. He made so much money so quickly from it before Warner Brothers even caught on to the fact. Then Warner, uh, Warner's made them pull all prints. So this wow. film disappeared uh, from circulation completely, and then a major lawsuit ensued and so he girdler never actually got any of the profits from this movie and then he died and i mean uh, i've talked to a lot of people before like always saying i think girdler deserves a biopic uh mm. for real like not just a documentary but an actual but i think because he had i think what is it seven eight films all within about a 10 year run less he was only he was uh 30 maybe 28 or 32 when he died mm-hmm. he was super young uh and he made all his movies in. um well, not all of them, because Manitou, obviously, which is also ripping off a ton of things <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. uh, in San Francisco, but most were in is it Tennessee or Alabama, uh, or Missouri so, in, in that area. So it's like Middle America. So, it, so like another kind of soft spot for me is like you kind know, of rural, rural nightmare USA kind of filmmaking. These people who are making these films, out, not just indies, but they're also away from any major market, and I always fall in love with those kind of movies. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to go too in depth on his other movies because I just. I, I got a feeling in my gut one of you is going to put one of his films on your list. He may come up again because you are good people. Um, but look him up. Like he's a director. I, I almost it's kind of show I'd almost do a whole show on him just to make people aware of him. Uh, he also, you know, on this biopic thing. I'm just going to throw it out there. He looks a lot like AJ Bowen from a certain angle <laughs> oh my and it's something I noticed as soon as I looked at him there's not very good photos of him online you can't even find a color photo of him online only these really bad like newspaper black and whites but he died uh, on a location scouting for one of his movies in a helicopter and it crashed and uh, he died super young and early. But but the amount of movies in that short period of time, are, it's pretty wild. Um, but this is a film like, uh, well, again, I think this is the week where we're going to post a trailer for every single movie instead of our normal way of promoting show because I think these movies, you have to see it to believe it. I can't, I can't describe what Abby is to you. But seeing it with a the crowd, uh, they really appreciate it. And I will say this is super cool. I have tickets to go see it in New York on the big screen again in um, about three or four weeks. So by the time this airs, I think it's still a week out. And I, I'm not sure which... Look up the draft houses if you're in New York. It's playing at a couple of draft houses, so it's a print, as far as I know. Uh, it might be, it might be a DCP, but uh, really interesting movie. You've seen Abby or no?
3: I have not. Oh, Nor man, have you, I.
1: You, oh man, you guys are. Bu- I, I'm oh, totally
0: to aware have... of it, and it's one I've always meant to see. But... Well, I mean, again, I and wouldn't I love Gurdler.
1: I wouldn't have seen it either if it hadn't been sitting in the in the seat. So. Uh, Uh, i think there is a dvd out there though right i think i've seen an old dvd maybe it's a bootleg i think it might be but i'm not sure but again some of that's for good reasons you know warner's uh, and hey you know i kind of get that (laughs) you want to keep all the money for yourself i understand (laughs) but uh, this is a pretty unique movie and i think uh screenings in our future for all three of us
0: nice sounds good what you got for number four there sir
1: just so you know, he's brought this like giant Bible. So every time we throw to him, he has to like open this thing and slowly no, go got, through I it. I
3: got a couple of notes. I don't want to forget my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one is a ripoff of a motion picture called The Road Warrior. And this is... Australian a, film, right? This is a year after Road <laughs> Warrior. It's directed by uh, the gentleman who directed Cowboy Holocaust. Diadato, uh-huh. and I think this movie is just as awesome as *Calvary*. Holocaust. I think it's criminal. No one brings this up in his filmography because it's 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 beautiful. It's called *Raiders of Atlantis*. Oh yeah.
2: Atlantis is our continent. Only you can make it possible for us to return to the world we belong to.
3: And it's the most original Road Warrior ripoff because huh. usually all the Road Warrior rip offs you know, there there was post apocalyptic movies before the Road Warrior, but you know, Mad Max, Road Warrior, I mean, the whole car culture of just these makeshift cars and these batshit, you know, looks of the of the the Raiders in those films, you know, it, it rubbed off in a lot of films, you know. So but Rays Atlantis it, it takes, you, you pretty much see the apocalypse happen. It's pretty much, I'm going to try to explain this because the plot is convoluted. It's like <laughs> a, a team of science working to raise a sunken Russian sub come across like uh, an ancient Atlantis relic from the seafloor. But while attempting to raise the sub, radioactive leech- leakage from the missiles triggers the, the reemergence of Atlantis. So pretty much, <laughs> wow! Atlantis, holy no! Tell me no more. I'm watching this movie right now. <laughs> it's so that's great. What what happens is like the platform. A tidal wave strikes, wiping out mankind. These the, the rest, the rest, the survivors from the the platform get rescued by these two Vietnam vets, and they like kind of crash land on a Caribbean island, <laughs> and and there's lots of amazing atmosphere on this Caribbean island. It's like it's just desolate, and then. The Atlantis people come, and they're pretty much straight out Road Warrior, but their but their vehicles are polished. They're like beautiful, pristine, like motorcycles with spikes on them. The lead villain, like Humongous and Road Warrior, had this metal hockey mask. This dude has like a see-through crystal skull mask. The leader, and. What emerges is, like, it's a cross between Road Warrior and Assault on Precinct 13, with a little Indiana Jones at the very ending peppered in. (laughs) But this movie has, like, the most Molotov cocktails ever thrown (laughs) in the history of film, ever. I swear to God, there's so much Molotov but like and we're few... gonna have
1: the recipe for that on our <laughs> website
3: the the few survivors just pretty much run around this caribbean island just trying to escape this motley group of like uh, road warrior people and how there's... do you get
1: those kind of vehicles
3: to a caribbean island it's pretty okay by the way this movie is streaming on amazon right oh, now oh, oh yeah i had a to buy i had to buy like a, the grindhouse uh dvd years back which was a VHS rip and, and the tracking is constantly changing on your DVD player. It drives you crazy. But right now on Amazon, it's it looks great. And like, you should watch it tonight because this movie is beautiful.
1: And I do think, I mean, I, and again, a guy who I think is a genuinely good craftsman. Like, uh, Oh man, I'm looking at the poster. It looks so badass. Uh, no, I mean all of Regares' films, uh, even the ones that are really unpleasant, like uh, another ripoff, Last House, uh, the Edge of the Edge House on the Edge of the Park. Mm-hmm. It, there's he's he's a good filmmaker. He knew how to, he you know, his, and he's a really smart guy. I, I met him once at a convention and talked to him a long time. I mean, out of all the Italian guys, he seemed like super cerebral and you know was just very curious about story you know story wise. I, I always tell people Cannibal Holocaust is brilliantly constructed movie like it really fucks you you
3: know oh it, it, it's a great film and like yeah this is a phenomenal film and then cut and run is a yeah it's a, yeah. a, a tight little, little i've been wanting to watch
1: re-watch it. Is is that on blu-ray that's a film i've wanted no. to see again
3: no, oh, yeah. i have the dv i have the uncut dvd oh, if you cool. want
1: to borrow yeah yeah
0: one. that's yeah. The one with willie ames right yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry <laughs> willie ames is <laughs> gonna come up here in a minute
3: so <laughs> throwing down the gauntlet uh that's a great <laughs> pick that one gets <laughs> me just, excited
0: i have that there's a double disc with that and Damn it, I can't remember what, but I have it. Oh, okay, right. It's good. I like it.
1: I suspect after looking things up this week. I mean, obviously a lot of Exorcist repos, but I think Mad Max might have been the biggest. Like just the style of those movies, post-apocalyptic kind of. On when I was looking up the, especially in Italy and stuff, there's mm-hmm. a lot of movies made with that kind of background.
3: Yeah, and that's, I grew up watching those movies all the time without realizing it was a oh. spin off of the Road Warrior rip-offs, But I just loved all those films. Like, what is it? Warriors of the Wasteland mm-hmm. as your boy Bob, a little yeah. kid as a mechanic. Oh, yeah, my boy Bob.
1: <laughs> that's a good filter reference for anyone. Bob? Bob? Yeah, I, I, Bob? I, I, <laughs> I love
3: Road Warrior ripoff. I,
1: I, I definitely saw uh, Mad Max 2 before one as a kid. And so it, it was. Uh, it almost felt like Mad. the first, is it just called Mad Max, the first film? Yeah. I, I remember thinking that felt like a totally different genre. I mean, because you see the epic vision of the second one, which is still one of the greatest action movies ever made, I think. But then when I saw the first one, it, it's it took me years to really love that movie because it's a lot grislier uh, and it's kind of a sad film. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. Uh, what about you? You're, you're up number four.
0: My number four. So I was talking about Willie Ames. Um, <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> um, I can't remember if I brought this movie up on the show Or not yet But it's uh, Scavenger Hunt from 1979 wow. um, I like myself some really stupid Broad comedy sometimes <laughs> And Midnight Madness was one I almost used for this list But I'm going to save that for another Because I don't feel like that's as much of a pure rip off Of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World yeah. Which Scavenger Hunt is definitely a mm. rip off of And I actually prefer Scavenger Hunt To It's a Mad, 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 Mad Man World I'm, I have, I'm one of these rare people that doesn't like that movie that I think it's I I appreciate the cast I appreciate the scope of the comedy and the wackiness but um, I really hate just how um, misogynistic that movie is and I'm not Mm -hmm. one to go after movies for that as much because I understand that it's sort of built into certain time periods but if you watch it's a mad 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 world you can't tell me that every single woman in that movie is not a total shrew that is, you know, totally being made fun of and and just generally belittled by sure. the
1: asshole dudes that are. I haven't seen that since college. That's one that, and it didn't make much of an impression on me, to be honest.
0: It's not. It's not nearly as fun for me as scavenger hunt.
1: So you want to join the Peace
3: Corps, huh? <sighs> Scum! I was born to raise hell. Ever since college, even before college, scummy. <laughs> Beat him to death.
0: Uh, let's talk about it. Scavenger Hunt has an amazing cast. It's got uh, Cloris Leachman, Richard Benjamin, Richard Masur, uh Dirk Benedict, Willie Ames, Scatman Crothers, r- uh, Richard Mulligan.
1: Um, and it was like an illegal, just Hollywood re- kind of reimagining? Yeah,
0: I think. I mean, it's, it's. I want to say, It's a Mad, Man, Mad, Mad, world is like 63, and this is years later, mm-hmm. 79. This is from director Michael Schultz, who did um, Car, wait, no, that wasn't. Did he car wash? I can't remember now. But he did Cooley High and he did mm. uh, a lot of like black movies that are really great. Um, and this movie is j- just like it's a mad, mad of a world. And it's in terms of the setup is that Vincent Price, who's in this movie for about five minutes, um, plays like a, one of the Parker brothers, basically a guy, a, a magnate that sort of uh, built his fortune on board games and he dies at the beginning of the movie in this really pathetic horrible scene and then he leaves his will which is like the people that are close to him like his family his servants some taxi cab driver um his his like cousins or something I don't know I can't remember how everybody's related but they all come together and they are forced to be in this scavenger hunt and the person who the team that gets the most points wins like I don't know I can't remember if it's like $50, 200 million dollars or some it's it's a big amount of money. So it's just this mad dash around the city to uh I think they're kind of in the San Diego area or something to try and get all these items. Um Do you think
1: Cannonball Run is then a ripoff of that?
0: I think so. I think you could definitely credit it as part of that the kind of wild and crazy race kind of movie. race
1: movie. I mean I can't oh, think yeah. of a movie that was maybe a bigger childhood like the film that we watched a lot was the Cannonball Run movies and kind of burning my mind but everything you're saying is bringing that film into my yeah
0: I think that's definitely I I love Gumball Rally too Uh Gumball Rally is more straight Cannonball Run than Uh anyway and then there's Cannonball so there's all kinds of rip offs of that movie but anyway I just love this one it's just really stupid really broad uh, you know just People doing stupid stuff. There's a great scene between Meatloaf and Richard Benjamin. <laughs>
1: and you won't hear that uttered that much. No, <laughs> in the history movies. yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't know that they had another scene together. But it's like yet. It, well, <laughs> they're both still alive, thankfully. It could
0: happen. But yeah, so it's like you know, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of and Schwarzenegger's in it for a second. Oh, I forgot Tony Randall, Cleavon Little. Uh, um, um, what's his name from Fright Night? The the. Vampire Killer. Why can't I think of it? Roddy McDowell.
1: Oh, Roddy McDowell. Oh, wow, he's okay. Yeah. So, anyway,
0: just a great. I just love those movies with big casts. And
1: man, we're gonna need trailers for some of these this week. Like, uh, (laughs) you know, these are are, this is great. This is probably the first time we've ever done one where there's titles I haven't heard of. So I love this. I mean, this
0: this is a very broad comedy. So I'm not saying this is going to be something that it's great cinema or anything. But for me, I'm a fan of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I think the caveat on shows like this is like if the stuff we're talking about is already kind of in your. The stuff you like, then go for those ones. You know? Also, we're
0: talking about rip after all. So yeah, come yeah, yeah, these movies.
1: <laughs> uh, this one is one I saw last year, and you guys, again, I think I'd never, as far as I know, it wasn't in New Zealand, but man, I love this movie so much. One of the most fun things I had, uh, Scott Reynolds, uh, a good friend of uh, Rob G., who we keep referencing today, that's the Rob G. show, uh, he has a backyard screening where he sets up and they watch, um, usually it's double features, and it was, um, he brought us over to watch Dangerous Men. Uh, which was the rediscovery from last year, draft House, super fun movie. I mean, oh just kind of like, how does this thing
0: exist? How is that on Blu-ray? And, and he made it that? over like mm-hmm.
1: 20 years, right? Like there's sequences that were shot 20 years apart. Uh, it's not, you know, a great movie uh, by any means. It's a, you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a strange movie. But he double featured this with a movie that I had only ever seen the poster in the VHS box. And dude, this is so much fun. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a, a Scarlotta favorite, but I let's see, David A. Pryor's Deadly Prey.
2: When we train, it's for real.
0: Oh, oh yeah. very
1: nice. From 1987, uh, basically, <laughs> it's exactly taking First Blood. If you just took First Blood and said, oh, but we'll set it in a most dangerous game, and that's it. <laughs> you don't need any other description. It's those two movies, and, I mean, when I'm watching this thing, I didn't even realize David Pryor is the lead actor, so the director of this film is this buff-cut, Dolph Ludgren looking uh, you know, uh, just... Perfect blonde hair. No, that's his brother. Oh, it is? Yeah, I think so. Oh, really? Ted Pryor right Ted Pri- uh, so Ted's oh yeah okay so he might be there. Okay. then that that changes the the, the amazement by like 1% <laughs> it's still <laughs> an amazing I'm still movie. in awe of, of the no film. no no I mean it's amazing uh, and mm. this film basically uh, it, it opens with like the sadistic group of uh, mercenaries training uh, in Riverside just down the street from us <laughs> uh, and they're training and they train with uh, human prey and they have like they've had these people uh, who are just you know they're hunting in the forest so it's like a lot of uh, like danger uh, what, what was the one with Ice-T and Rooker House Hour, surviving the, surviving game. the game, and there was there was a number of them, uh, in the, and I always enjoyed those movies. Hard Target, Hard Target's a really fun one. Uh, but uh, this one, well, the fun part is because you know Rambo's been big, so instead they find like the guy who was the best in Vietnam. Like this guy was the best of the best in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. They don't know that though, and they've just like he's he's randomly taking out his his garbage, and I think his wife's asleep, <laughs> and I think he's wearing like tight little like uh, denim, <laughs> denim shorts or something. It is very eighties, and uh, they just abduct this guy. So it's literally also like the. Oh, the wrong guy kind of movie, like oh, we abducted the wrong guy to hunt and kill in the forest, like. Mm -hmm. And when he starts fighting back, he just starts taking down literally the entire uh, camp of these mercenaries. Uh, And the but there's like I'm watching this movie, and then suddenly Cameron Mitchell pops up. And I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing in this movie? This guy was in so many great movies, like Ride the Whirlwind, Without Warning. Just like literally, look him up, and his genre titles are probably 100 films. Uh, it is so much fun, though. I, I, is this like, and I, this cover art was very familiar to me, but I had never seen the movie. And it was, it was definitely one of the most fun times last year when uh, Scott showed us this one. Uh, but I assume that would have been a staple here.
3: It's a, it's a fantastic film. And usually, when you watch action films, Sometimes when the bad guy gets it, you're a little disappointed. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. the bad guy gets it, and this one is really freaking. It's it's pretty fantastic. I
1: mean, I, 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 I mean it's been a, a year and a bit since I saw it, but there's an arm ripping scene where he then and then he yeah, quite, hits the guy with his a, own arm. I mean, yeah, it's it, it, it's one of those films that makes <laughs> up for what the action and the madness the what's lacking from you know story stuff. So you just mm-hmm. you're, you're gonna have a a great visceral time. I, as far as I could tell, it still didn't have a proper. Release. It was still just a kind of crappy DVD, no Blu-ray.
0: Well, actually, um, uh, Slasher Video put awesome. it out. Yeah, they, via Olive Films. I want to say late last year or something. Um, it's not a great copy of it, but uh, because I think they had a V8 beta master or something, but it
1: still looked like I was watching v but in a great way, like yeah, in a way it's, that it's kind it's of suits really, the aesthetic.
0: I was gonna say it's almost better to see that one that way, but
1: and 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 I want to say like I am a. You know, I am a huge First Blood fan. Like, again, Mm -hmm. in terms of our childhood memories, seeing that, I had older brothers, so I got to see a lot. You know, I was listening to, this will be a segue plug for Brian's appearance on Supporting Characters, which he was this week. I was going to mention at the end, but one thing I was struck by, and I realized why my childhood's different now, uh, you guys were bonding over a lot of the kids' movies you're watching, and I realized that when VHS hit, and by the time we had a VHS player, I was probably... You know, eight. Um, but by then, uh, I, I my, mo- my mother remarried and married this uh, this guy who had three boys, and they're all older than me. So as soon as we move into the house, not a single person in that house is interested in going back and watching kids' films for a kid. They were already, like, the first movies I remember, and this is not just trying to sound crazy, but the first movies I remember, Deliverance is one of the first VHS they ever rented <laughs> And I and I remember when Burt Reynolds' leg breaks, just my brain exploding, uh, rape even worse than the rape scene. Like I was more disturbed by that. Uh, but it was these kind of movies. So when you guys were talking about some of those like childhood classics, I mean, I still saw things like Gremlins on my own. Uh, not Gremlins, uh, things like Goonies and stuff. But like a lot of the younger Disney stuff, I realized, oh, I have a total blank spot because I had none of that and it wasn't out of any, any malice I think it was just you suddenly join another family and you're watching so seeing these kind of movies uh, First Blood was one of the first I remember just being like so that and Rocky Four kind of close together being movies that just like almost changed your world a little like changed the kind of movies you were then drawn to and, and First Blood's uh, like if you haven't seen it in 20 years and you think it's like the other Rambo movies it's just not it is like it to me. It's the kind of movie like you almost retrospectively want to go back and give it a special little Oscar, just so people <laughs> realize it's a movie that is that good dramatically. Uh, the cat, you know, the casting's brilliant. Danny, he's amazing. Sly's like never been better. You know, it's just so you know if you haven't, um, that's like a segue plug for you to kind of maybe go back in, in case we don't get to talk about First Blood again, I, I love the atmosphere of that movie so much.
0: I do too. I'm a huge fan, and it's totally been lumped in with the second movie, yeah. and the third movie, and people don't really. I, I mean. People remember it, but I feel like when, when Weird Al makes fun of it in UHF, he's making fun of yeah the part two. two.
1: which are fun movies, too. I, there's a lot about part two I love, but uh, part one, I think, is this, like, you know, it's a real uh, character drama. You know, I mean, he jumps through that
2: tree.
3: <laughs> uh, it's a classic. That, that ending monologue he gives is, like, one of Stallone's best performances. Like, mm-hmm. it's powerful. Mm-hmm. You got the feeling he had talked to real
1: vets and, like, was channeling something. I did not get that feeling from Deadly Prey. <laughs> uh well, but but it didn't it, matter
3: it <laughs> no. spawned some like i mean thunder Warriors a rip off mm. of first blood right mm, that's it's good more sleazy and damaging yeah. and
1: well again a lot of, i think again yeah, this is another like mad max where there's a lot of these movies even uh even the atlantis one you're showing us uh, looks like it has that tinge of you know bringing rambo with the gun in the forefront and
3: well, there was a whole i don't know if it's a whole do you, do you like uh do you have any Peter O'Brien on your list? But like the whole s- yeah. uh, sly-sploitation sp- in the- Indonesia? Yeah, that's right. Oh. There's a gentleman named Peter O'Brien, and in the same year, he made two movies, The Stabilizer and The Intruder. And they're both Stallone movies, but Peter O'Brien looks like Stallone, almost talks like him. And so <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Like the opening of The Intruder is him walking down the street. Is this woman, old Indonesian woman walking down the street. A car hits her, and, uh, and Peter O'Brien... Just like Stallone in First Blood in the very opening yeah. appears and starts defending her, he pretty much uses like a, a tennis ball and he takes out four guys with a tennis ball <laughs> oh. and the guys are running away and he's like, yo, you can find me here. The name is Ramboo. And throughout the whole movie, they don't stop dropping his name Ramboo. And oh. it's hilarious. Oh, man, that's and, then, oh my God. Uh, and it has the same villain as The Stabilizer, Greg Rainmaker. But if you watch The Stabilizer, it's it's again, it's a... Peter O'Brien playing Stallone in a movie, and the villain is dressed exactly like Mr. T. He's got the same mohawk, wow. but he's Indonesian. It's an Indonesian man with the jewelry around his neck, the mohawk, and he's the villain. And, yeah, The Stabilizer and The Intruder are two sly exploitation or sly rip-off movies that are quite fun to watch. I mean, Rambo just watched... The Intruder just watched the opening because the rest is pretty painful, but uh, The Stabilizer is a really solid, fun action film I get the
1: feeling Ramboo is going to be our hashtag for the episode because it's all about rip-offs so Ramboo's oh, perfect just,
3: just watch that intro because when he delivers it like your heart like somehow like light starts coming out of it because it's really beautiful huh. it's like there's, there's, there's Keanu Reeves escaping those bullets in the matrix and yeah. then, then it's Peter O'Brien delivering his first it's line Rambo. Tell, him, tell him it's Ramboo awesome. <laughs> it, just, it just makes you happy now is
1: that something you'd have to go to YouTube for is yeah it? that's okay. on YouTube yeah
3: but Rambu is kind of the intruder Rambo. Rambo's is the other title for it. it. It's heavily edited on YouTube, though. Okay. But but the opening is still there. <laughs>
0: these are these are gentlemen's guide to midnight cinema classics, by the way. Okay. Nice. <laughs> good stuff.
1: Uh, so number three on the Bible, the Scarlotta Bible.
3: Uh, well, number number three for me is a is a movie that I, I I think is a solid solidly it's a solid good movie. I don't know if solidly is a word. Excuse it is me. now. <laughs> I've been I've had a lot of coffee before I got here. <laughs> so um yeah it's um it's a motion picture that's a ripoff of a movie called alien and it's um galaxy of terror from 1981
2: nice stranded astronauts edward albert and aaron moran trapped in a living maze of terror on a world spawned by their darkest nightmares it's been waiting a
3: billion years to scare you to death Galaxy of Terror. Yeah, it's, it's obviously an alien ripoff, but what's really interesting about this is that in um, it's a Roger Corman film. And so when Dan O'Bannon and Ron Chilset, before they sold Alien to 20th Century Fox, Corman had it. And they went off and made Alien. It became a huge hit. And I, so Corman had O'Bannon's original draft, the Star Beast draft. And then O'Bannon's original Star Beast draft. Uh, the alien eggs aren't, weren't in the derelict. They were in a pyramid. And what's huh. interesting about um, Galaxy of Terror is they pretty much... When they land on the planet, they first come to, in Galaxy of Terror, the, uh, you know, the other crash spaceship they're there to investigate. There's the dead bodies. Then when they leave there, they come across a pyramid. There's no way to get in the pyramid, so they have to go to the top and scale down. And in Albanin's draft, they find... After they leave the space jockey, they find a stone pyramid. And there's no way to go in, so they have to scale it and climb down. And so it's really interesting because in, in O'Bannon's Star Beast, they find the eggs, at they find urns at the bottom of the stone temple huh. pyramid. And that was something O'Bannon was so depressed they had to cut out of the film because it kind of showed the whole alien... Um, uh, on the wall, like, what did the Egyptian have? The um, hieroglyphics. Yes, there's a whole alien hieroglyph Uh, Ron Cobb designed them. Of, um, so like the aliens were supposed to, sex, sex was so dis- was so difficult for them that, um, uh, reproducing was a religion for them. So that's what the temple uh, all stood for. Wow. But um, Roger Corman, I could just see, just took that pyramid and stuck it into Galaxy of Terra because that's what they get all trapped into. So I thought, yeah, not only is it a ripoff of Alien, but it's also a ripoff of O'Bannon's original like uh, origins of the Alien. So. <laughs>
1: and James Cameron does some great work in there. That's
3: right. Yes.
1: And, and I think that's, is that the one he met Bill
3: Paxton on? I, I think so. I think Yeah, Pexton
1: was doing some work on the sets of that
3: one. I think. I mean, because Corman made two solid. my imp- my, I think it's two solid Alien ripoffs. Because I don't know if you guys have any re- Alien ripoff, but Forbidden World mm. is really is a really solid Alien ripoff, and it's very it's kind of sexual, and it's also an Alien. Nancy Car- Nancy Car- Carthright, her death scene, like you see the alien tail start to wrap up her leg. And then in Forbidden World, they're like, you know what? Let's just take that to the next level and we'll show you what happens to this girl when that happens. Was that
0: was is that like Joni from Happy Days gets raped in that movie? That's
3: in yeah, in Galaxy of Terror by the worm. That's what's cool about the thing about Galaxy of Terror is that all every death is by a different alien. Like it's like it's every the death scenes are really unique and I think the movie has like a sense of dread and I yeah. Yeah, Corman produced some really cool rip-offs. I've got
1: both those Blu-rays at the top of my list, and I was going to rewatch watch uh, Galaxy of Terror for this one. So I'm kind of glad I didn't, because now that I know that, I'm going to watch it with, <laughs> like, thinking about Abandoned. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, and, yeah, Corman, you know, hey, he slipped on some really, really cool movies. Like, there's some mm. actual just really quality gems in there.
0: Absolutely. Um, so my number three, we're coming back to Mr. Girdler. Oh yeah, I knew you would be. There. <laughs> you you knew I had to. Um, we're talking Grizzly. Hey, you got your head in the sand. We got a killer Grizzly
2: on our hands, Scott. You're a maniac. Always we're running around in costumes. There are no
0: Grizzlies. <laughs> um, I'm so glad Grizzly's
1: on someone's. I, list. I couldn't
0: I couldn't leave it off really. I mean I love, and I know Steve does too. Jaws knockoffs in general are are pretty pretty entertaining to me, but few are as blatant as Grizzly, which is really again more even than North Shore as far as structural imposition, like imposing structure of Jaws onto a national park, which has a a crazy grizzly bear on the loose, um, killing campers with a, by the way, a PG rated movie, but a classic example of what I've always called 70s PG, which is, you know, you get to see somebody's arm literally ripped off and fly through the air. I remember showing my, I hadn't watched it in a while and I showed it to my son, this was early, uh, in our, you know, um, movie nights. We used to do it every Friday movie night. And that scene came on, I was just like, oh, shit. That's, that's gonna scar him a little bit. I didn't, I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, there's a crazy opening attack scene, just like there is in Jaws. There's, you know, uh, Christopher George is kind of like the Brody character in the movie. There's a Quint character played by Richard Jekyll. I mean, it's it's this whole thing. Um, but, it's, but it sort of takes it up a notch, because it's much sleazier than Jaws. I mean, even... The grizzly, sh- the, the grizzly has like these point of view shots where he's like almost like a slasher movie, like he's like stalking women and he mostly kills women, which is kind of creepy too. Um, so there's like this sleaze level to it and extra gore and I don't know. Um, there's a bazooka. There's all kinds. I've of... I've always <laughs>
1: wanted to see that film on a big screen. Oh, I've yeah. only ever seen it on VHS. I think that would be such a fun movie in a crowd
3: because he kills a kid in that movie too. The bear, right? Yeah. Because that's what's so crazy about those early those 70s films like The Bees like Kids Were Dying Deadly Eyes you talked freaking, about it last oh, week yeah, that's yeah, yeah. one tentacles, of the most brutal yeah Tentacles that eats uh-huh. like a, a baby yep yeah. you know like 70s movies are just freaking killing kids And like, well, they, because we talked about with Deadly Eyes
1: because when you do that it, all bets are off like yeah. a movie yeah. can do anything the danger levels upped dramatically and a sleazy factor. I love, it. Factor. Yeah, I love it. Not
0: mm-hmm. to say I want to see children killed, but I kind of do because I think like it makes movies better when you kill children. Wow. I can't At least I on screen. <laughs> I think kill the dog
1: and baby on screen, you know, uh, it depends how you want to, how far you want to take And Now what's the deal? Uh, Cause the other thing you guys might not know about Steven, uh, our guest here is my favorite thing to talk to him about. And if we ever do a show on this, he's coming back is uh, movies that didn't happen or lost sequels or, you know, that just, oh, the, I find that, and I could watch shows or podcasts forever on those kind of topics. But uh, Grizzly Two has a really weird, maligned history. Uh, do you know much about Grizzly Two?
3: I I know a little bit about it. Like, um, it, it's was it even ever complete? I no, know. No, ab- no, I know but... about. I know about like the. I mean, I. I don't know a whole lot about it. But I know about the crazy bear they built, and yeah. um, like it cost a lot of money, right? Yeah, I, you know what? I, I I'm not the professional on Grizzly Two to be honest, so I can't really. Yeah, I, I mean, I th- for <laughs> some
1: reason my brain. You told me over a coffee once that, about the animatronic. I know they created like yeah. a real expensive, like few hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollar animatronic bear that then failed.
3: Yeah, it didn't work properly because I did watch some of the. F- I watched some of it because it does have Charlie Sheen, but. George Clooney, too, right? Actually, I watched it after I did the episode of POV because I think uh, Becca is the one who kind of schooled me on it. Uh, okay. To be, to be honest, so I, I don't know too much about Grizzly. I've too. heard
1: that Damon Packard, the experimental uh, filmmaker who I, I really like some of stuff, did some weird recreation where, like, he inserted himself as the bear for all the <laughs> shots, and he did this thing, and he, like he was like trying to finish the movie. That's. Hilarious. Uh, I could be totally off, but I love the idea. Wow. But I, I don't know if that was a Girdler. Was that going to be Girdler directed? Or I don't even know. We're going to have to look that up. Yeah, that one. Uh, I can't
0: remember. I just know it was called Grizzly to the concert yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and it <laughs> looked i mean it just looked great cra- yeah. it, anyway it's one of those great movies title. that where they like fall through uh, the cracks and never get finished so uh all right so yeah number which one are we up to three number three. Oh, cool uh this is one i actually rewatched for the show it, and it's actually a movie i i love uh, on all genuine levels uh it uh is uh, joseph ellison's don't go in the house don't make me do anything bad mother don't go in the house <laughs> because the people who live there
2: aren't people anymore. Don't go in the house. But if you do, don't say we
1: didn't warn you. Uh, Aka, which was interesting, the version I was watching this weekend, which uh, I'll, I'm going to warn you against, uh, was the burning. So it must have been made, you know, like Friday the Thirteenth was being made at the same time. The burning was happening uh, in uh, New York, New Jersey. Uh, this was obviously being made and ended up changing its title. Don't go in the house. Uh, this is a this is a really a fantastic movie, but I, I really fucked up this week. Uh, and I watched it on Amazon Prime to show my friend Dick, and he had never seen it. And I, I, w- I knew it was going to be on this list, but I wanted to rewatch it. And I hadn't seen it for a while, but it was a movie that, like, I, I just always call it like my number one. Like, I need a shower after this movie because <laughs> there's a couple sequences just so, oh, make you just feel so dirty and bad. Uh, but uh, we're watching it, and the first murder comes up, and you know, uh, if it doesn't ring a bell yet from the title, uh, one of my favorite books, I'll cite often, Nightmare USA. On the front cover, there's a guy in a flame retardant uh retardant uh suit you know with a flamethrower and this is basically uh you know when you're watching uh uh if you're watching psycho and you know i remember being i don't know 13 when i'm watching psycho and, and the movie ends and you know hitchcock's great but you're disappointed there wasn't a single disco scene in that movie uh there's no like guy in a flame retardant suit like burning woman in his house it's like I don't know what the point is. I mean, it's a little slow for my liking. So uh, if you want to mix up your Hitchcock, this movie brings those things into, this is one of the most straight ripoffs. I mean, it is just the house is kind of put in the background. Uh, The character has long monologues uh, by himself uh, talking about his mother. The difference is like, I think a lot of these better, you know, really high-end ripoffs is it kind of shows you stuff that you knew happened in Psycho. But Psycho doesn't show you, which is like the abuse of the mother, potentially, like for all we know, uh, and does the abuse in this movie's really nasty. She takes his um his hands and holds them over the flame of the uh the stove and like burns really severely this kid's arms, and it's really hard to watch. You're just watching this and going, Jesus. Like you feel the pain, but then you're stuck with this character ninety nine percent of the screen time walking around his house. Uh in in one of my favorite things in any horror film is he's got the uh burned victims just sitting there in his house, dressed up, like, in his mother's clothes, and they just sit around, he talks to them, and they are really scary-looking, and like, burnt black figures, like, ghostly figures who are just inanimately around his house, and then he uh, goes and starts picking up other women because he's hearing voices saying, you gotta purify them, clean them, and his mother's died in the opening. He comes home in one of the early scenes, mother, mother, you know, the whole thing. Uh, there's even like a, a te- like a techno score moment that is doing the but doing it on techno and I, my brain was like oh my god I can't believe you got away with that moment but um, it's a it's a really like genuine like this isn't just oh it's a rip off it's a, it's a total rip off but it's its own movie it's, it's a little bit more psychodrama um, than just cheap horror film and it has a couple parts that are genuinely scary um, but so I'm watching Amazon Prime and, the, and my number one memory this is one of the first girls he picks up he has her in his he builds a room in his house that uh, he can light fire uh, it's all made of metal He's a full-body suit of uh, him with his flamethrower. He burns this woman who's in full body. My, My memory is pubic hair. Everything is out. She's a redhead. I mean, this thing was burned in my brain. And we're watching it, I'm showing Dick, and, and it's just close-ups of her face, and then a shot of the back of her head, and then a close-up of his flame, and it's over. And I was like, so I didn't stop the movie, but in my brain, I was like, oh, it must be the last scene that had that. And then the movie gets to the end, and it didn't happen. It was still a good movie. Like, he even said it. And maybe as a drama, it almost works better without that. But I was like, what the fuck? Is Amazon Prime, uh, is it, like, censoring this? And then we looked it up, and it turns out they are showing the TV theatrical which was called The Burning. And it had had three minutes of the crazy gore, uh, especially this one sequence because the nudity. And this film, kind of like Maniac, was particularly on a, a very uh, nasty watch list where Maniac, uh, a lot of the women's rights groups at that time were protesting like crazy and actually got these movies pulled uh, from screens. I'm pretty sure this was one of the ones that... It really hurt. It's theatrical, and, and it never really you know did much uh, in theaters. And the director uh, is you know Joseph Ellison, one and done. Another one of these guys who only made one film. One of, one of the people I dream most of like trying to track down for well, a he only interview. did
0: "Don't Go in the House." He and only that's did it. "Don't Go in the House," and wow. he lives in
1: Studio City out here apparently. So when I jumped it, I was trying to like figure out if anyone I knew knew him. And no one did. I'm sure now that they're Scorpio scorpions put out the Blu-ray, but apparently that has some issues too, uh, with like which cut it is, and there, that has controversy too. You'd have to look at the forums to see what exactly was. I've already kind of forgotten, but. Uh, you know, I I'm I won't tell you to go watch the prime one, even though I think it's a great movie and it looks great. It's obviously the Blu-ray kind of transfer. Uh, probably look up the you know Scorpion one if that's if that's the best version. Maybe there's a British version.
0: There's a German version from Subculture. And, yeah, and that's probably the one. I think Elijah Drenner worked on that
1: too. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll find out for you before we post too much. Uh, it's a it's a really good movie, and and it's and it's one I've thought about for years. Like if I was doing a you know top fifty horror list, it would make it because I think. Uh, this, it's hard to unnerve me now as a horror fan and having seen so much but the couple sequences where basically his visions of these people he's killed start kind of coming for him it's genuinely scary and and you've sat with this guy for so long that even though his performance is a little big and a little off compared to say Perkins it, you care about him at the end weirdly enough or I did uh, I, think, I think it's a really top notch film but it is a man from start to end complete psycho rip off
0: I just I can't get over how like you said his performance is a little off he seems like one of the most awkward, weirdest dudes yeah. that if you're a woman, you would never in your, ever, ever get in a car Except with Except he's guy. not
1: bad looking compared to, like uh, one thing I turned to Dick after is like, I wonder if, um, you know, if you're casting uh, Spinel. In this movie, I wonder if it would be the best horror film ever made. Like, and, and I'm I'm not even like kind of putting the being joking because I think Maniacs brilliant, and but it's mostly brilliant to me because of his performance. Yeah. But if I took that same actor and put him in this movie, I think this is a much better movie. Yeah. And if he was in that, the only thing I said though is, oh, but would the girls ever get in his car? Because he isn't, like, but to some people maybe he's good, you know, but. I don't know, but I do think he would work in this. I think like, he would be really interesting to watch doing this to people because he's such a great actor. But uh, this guy, I didn't realize I looked him up, the actor, and he was um, one of the main uh, guys in The Sopranos. Oh, wow. So in his later career, cool. he's, uh, I can't remember which None character he is, but you, as soon as you look him up, you'll go, oh, he was like one of the main guys in that room wow. of The Sopranos. So, uh, really cool movie, uh, but make sure you see the right one. Do not watch that Prime one. I, I'm really sorry, Dick, for showing you the wrong version. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well. That one's I, I saw that when I was a kid and I haven't seen it since and it damaged me. Yeah, it's it's a like, pretty horrific It messed film. me up. And that scene that you're talking about it is the scene I remember, yeah. the girl in the room and
1: I mean it's the cover of Nightmare USA. You're just yeah, like man. And, and there's this great interview with Joseph Ellison in that. So so it exists on you know, written format and uh, that book's so good.
3: It's crazy how you can see something so young and it's still burned in your brain, like mm-hmm. all these years later. Like as you're talking about, it, it's all coming back. Like oh my And
1: God. yet I could see something tonight, or like I started life a couple days ago and it's it's all gone already. There's not a single <laughs> frame that is still in my memory <laughs> versus oh, yeah. something I see when I have
3: a kid like this. That's true. I'm the same way with a lot of films. I'll I'll see like new releases and then a couple months later, I can't remember a single scene from that film. Yeah, you know, and I
1: don't think it's just our memories of being kids. I do think movies are. Are, are built up. I mean, it's like Shane Black talks about, like there's almost a for- formula that they're given saying, you know, with the Marvel movie, you have to hit here, then we have to have 20 minutes of like just watching stuff happen and visual effects and then we get a little bit of character stuff and, and that's, oh man, that's depressing.
2: <laughs> you know, the idea
1: of making it by numbers, there's nothing worse. That's why I think I like some of these movies because they're breaking, They're yeah, they're copying something that was popular to make money, but then the all these crazy original ideas are filtering into these movies we're talking about and somehow it makes them so watchable. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or bad, I think you could save that judgment, but they're just watchable. You could easily watch almost any movie we're going to talk about today and probably have had a good time, I'm going to guess. Well, we'll see. Let's see what yeah. your number two is. <laughs> uh,
3: my number two isn't a good movie, but I love it because every time I watch it, I just get sucked into it. And it's from 1989 and it's called Terminator 2, but this came out before Terminator 2 <laughs> And it's not a Terminator ripoff, it's an Aliens <laughs> ripoff. And it and it's also has the title, Shocking Dark.
2: They thought they were fighting only against Aliens. Uh, they were sure that they had won their battle, but they were mistaken.
3: Yeah, I have and heard that title. directed by Vincent Dawn, a.k.a. Bruno Mattei. Uh-huh. The man with more names than Rupert over here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, this is... A com- a- the only difference be- between this and aliens is that it doesn't take place in outer space. It takes place in Venice, Italy. It's just like the water's polluted and somehow there's aliens. So a group of Marines known as Megaforce... Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> go with two scientists. One's name is Sarah... Because it's a ripoff of Sarah Connor, <laughs> and the other one, other scientist's name is Samuel Fuller, <laughs> you know? and so oh, wow. they, them, and the Megaforce just pretty much run around like nonstop blue lighting, like well lit, like piped walls for like an hour and a half. But this movie hits every beat of Aliens. They wow. find the newt character, like she bites them when they try to grab her. The scene when they have to sleep in the room and they get trapped. Like every single beat from aliens is in this movie and that's what makes it so watchable because you can't believe they're getting away with this. So, like And then all of a sudden when the ro- when you figure out it's the robot, then it turns into Terminator because hmm? not only right. do they have to run away from like the creatures, but now they have to run away from the Terminator. And so it's pretty, like, I'm telling you, like, it, it sucks you in. It's, it's pretty phenomenal because you cannot believe, like, how many liberties from aliens they take. Like, the, the opening is pretty hilarious because it's all the Marines getting ready. One Marine is totally using nunchucks for some reason. And the Vasquez chick is the, is the platoon leader, like, bossing around everyone. So, I, I mean, I recommend, like, checking it out. It's on YouTube, and it's a lot of fun.
1: I love that. Uh, Is it "Shocking Darky"? Yeah, I love that as a title. Yeah, (laughs) like that makes me want to watch. I've I've heard of that, and I've probably seen clips of this one, to be honest. But it's
3: it's but it's it's it sucks you in somehow. Like yeah. every time I watch it, I'm like immediately pulled in and I enjoy the shit out of it. It's Could be not because good. Aliens is a good movie. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> you got, you got, got the blueprint of a good movie. Yeah, If you can do it
0: competently.
1: Is there like a Bill Paxton character? Is there a game over kind of guy?
3: Um, well, I mean, it's just weird. It's like it's some blonde dude with has a bandana around his neck with like shaded sunglasses. I mean, they just yeah, try to yeah. get American. I, I, to I, make, I
1: talk about that on shockway's a lot. Yeah, like I love movies that aren't set in America that are trying so hard to make you feel like you're in America so like oh, yeah. college campuses and pieces where there's an American flag behind you at every every turning point
3: oh my god there's this like Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff called Don't Panic from like Spain oh my gosh and it's like the movie like the dude literally has coke cans just hanging all over his room <laughs> like there's so many coke cans like this everywhere this what we do in movie. America a yeah, marble cigarette yeah just it's freaking out. hilarious uh,
1: alright shucking Shucking dark at yeah. the
0: list um, okay so my number two this is funny because I was actually somehow I I got this Blu-ray out like I want to say like a month or two ago, maybe right around the time we started the show, and I was like, I need to figure out a list I can put <laughs> this on because I really want to rewatch it. Uh the movie's Outland, uh from nineteen eighty one. Outland,
2: the ultimate enemy is still Oh, she, yeah,
1: so the, I'll say this is the only title we traded on. Yeah. And, and I only got the tip off because you must have posted a photo on Yeah, Instagram? I think I said
0: I, on Twitter or Instagram. Because at- yeah,
1: Outland would be the, one of the first, um, in terms of good adaptations. Yeah,
0: this is probably the best movie on the list. I Let me look at my... Yeah, probably the... Well, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is a really a straight high noon in space. I mean, yeah. Connery comes to... Sean Connery plays a marshal. He comes to a mining colony. I love that... Haim sort of adapted the Western um, ba- sort of background frontier, setting, frontier going to yeah, a new frontier, exactly right. the, into this space setting. So it's a mining colony on a moon of Jupiter or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where um, it is, but um, but so he's the new guy there. Uh, they have sort of a regular, um, a, a large group of miners who tend to party pretty hard. And Peter Boyle is this guy, the sort of general manager of the mining colony, and he basically gives Connery's speech at the beginning. That's like, "Hey, you know, they work hard. We let them play hard." Right? You know, kind of like, don't fuck with us, you know? Uh, and Connery's like, okay. And then he starts to realize, like, there's been some, a rash of, like, crazy suicides where people just kill themselves by jumping out into space and doing crazy shit. And so he sort of starts to figure out the mystery behind that, and there's, like, this sort of overarching message of um, sort of corporate cover-up and a general sort of dehumanization kind of. He, he I like that Hyams is trying to put in a lot more stuff than you ever thought could be put into a high noon but it
1: was i mean high noon's the same like it, it, a lot about morality and like uh, stepping up like you have to be the character who steps up to, to for civilization's sake and all that and I, connery's i haven't seen this for a long time so i was when i saw you you were uh doing it i was like okay i won't rewatch now but it's of all the ones we're talking it's one i've been like dying to rewatch because heim's also a really great director I, yeah. I really like his films no
0: i like his stuff too but this is
1: like uh one of the last like great connery still looking like Vera and You know, he just looks great, you know? Yeah. Like when a man looks virile.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He definitely does. Um, And there's just a lot of, like, Western stuff in it. I mean, there's um, the fact that the colony is isolated and that a shuttle only comes once a week, you know, just like a stagecoach. Yes, you know, the stakes, yeah. Yeah, and they all use shotguns for some reason instead of lasers or anything like that. Um, But, yeah, it's uh, so that uh, at a point it's set up that some – some killers are coming to get Connery, and he has a little time to prepare. But nobody's going to help him, and um, it's it's just a really solid, you know, science fiction movie. But um, I don't know. It's it's cinemascope, so it's really wide, and there's just a lot of things I hadn't seen it in forever. And What'd
1: it, you see it on? Oh, Blu-ray. Blu-ray. on oh, Blu-ray. Okay. It's on Blu-ray. I, I recommend getting the Blu-ray.
0: It might be, but watch out for cropping because they I've right. noticed a lot of those really wide movies suddenly are uh, 185 cropped.
1: Uh, the next one on my list is um, one of my uh, movies. I, I, w- I would wait till the Code Red episode that I'm sure we'll do one day, but I, I was too impatient, and I love this movie so much. It was probably one of my favorite like top two or three film discoveries the last like, I don't know, five, six years, uh, and that is uh, Rituals, a.k.a. Creeper.
2: Five doctors on their annual ritual just trying to have a good time. This is the year they should have stayed at home.
1: Or the Creeper by Peter Carter 1977 from uh, Canada another member of the Connexploitation exploitation family but this movie is a legit movie man this look I just talked about Deliverance a second ago as as much as Deliverance is like in my top five American movies of all time. Sometimes I think it's my favorite American movie. It's a weird one uh, because I just love the way it's like these masculinities and crisis going down a river together. And this is exactly the same story. uh, Rituals instead what it, and and I think this is an out of print DVD, unfortunately, but I I just picked up a copy from eBay for like, you know, uh, 30 bucks. So it's still out there. I'm sure you can watch on YouTube, but, uh, definitely deserving of a Blu-ray. This film—it's real quality. What's cool about the movie is a bunch of doctors. So the only difference is it's not not just old friends. It's this group of doctors who every year do a trip like this, and they go deep woods. They're gonna uh, you know do fishing and stuff. But they're because they're like middle-aged doctors uh unlike burt reynolds and uh some of those guys are they're, they're probably a, ten, a decade older than them uh in this film and this is made i think four years five years after uh, deliverance um i think that's 73 uh these guys uh at first at first they make it kind of it's led by Hal holbrook first let me get it so this is Hal holbrook's movie apparently he was a quarter of the budget to get Hal holbrook in this film don't know what the final budget was but he took a big Part of it, so I guess he was. Uh, I guess he was bank back then. Uh, Lawrence Dane and him are so good on screen together, uh, kind of and as antagonistic good friends, but they're kind of at odds about how to survive this this uh, riverboat ad- uh, river adventure. But uh, unlike Deliverance, this movie sets up a really weird tone. Which is why I love it, but also why I think it could be remade and going in a different direction than it goes on. It goes in almost this feeling like, oh, are they being stalked by a satanic cult or something? The first half, you feel like there's some like weird black magic thing happening, but these guys are so rational. And that's why I love them as protagonists. Uh, because they're, they're all doctors and they all have unique. They're all not the same kinds of doctors and they're at different success levels too. And so the way they rationalize things and it starts with just their boots are gone, you know, and oh, well, now we have no boots. Like who's messing with us? What the fuck is this? A bad joke? And things escalate and people start getting knocked off like a slasher film. And at a certain point in the movie, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be, you know, this is like some sort of black magic kind of movie. And then you start realizing, no, this is like crazy, uh, like Backwater hillbilly slasher movie suddenly and it's so well made. Like that's the thing, even despite being on a ripoff list, it might be ripping off the setting but it, it, the way it's constructed is so original. There's a scene where they're, two of them are trying to carry one of their friend's bodies. I don't know if the guy's not quite dead and they're carrying him over like this range and the camera's really there and the actors are really on this like really high peak and you see down the other side and you know if they fall there fa- and it feels kind of dangerous in the way it's being put together And that could be maybe the Canadian, you know, kind of they can get away with a little more shooting up there. It's really like a terrific movie, like really, really one of the best movies I'll probably get to recommend on the show of this kind of in terms of being still an exploitation film for the most part. Uh, But it goes in a really weird direction. And I was only this only dawned on me right uh, before I did the show that maybe the second half of this and the ending especially could have been the inspiration for um, the Wrong Turn franchise. Because wrong, cause when you get to the second half and see who the killers are and kind of what the kind of whole scenario is, you start going, oh, so I wonder if that wrong turn, which I think there's like six or seven movies, uh, spawned. So I'd love to know if they're ripoffs of, of a ripoff, a uh, copy of a copy. Uh, but this, <laughs> is, this is one I really think, um, again, we'll put up the uh, trailer to, but I remember doing it for one of your lists a couple years ago, maybe it was last year. It could have been sure. last year. Yeah, sure. Uh and it was and it's just man, it's it's such a great little movie. Also, I'm, i really like how Hal Holbrook as an actor. You, there's some people with gravity who like you just believe them. He says he's a scientist. Yeah, he's a scientist, you know. <laughs> you don't need to see the documents when it's how Hal Holbrook on your side. So uh rituals, aka creeper.
0: Now you know? I was gonna say, does this pair well with Race with the Devil or is that too much like
1: no I, th- I actually think those I mean look Race with the Devil is going to be in one of our shows at some point such, it's a, such great a great movie yeah, and, and the way it ends you know and they have these kind of bleak uh, 70s endings I actually think those two films would be a really fun pairing I don't think they're too alike okay yeah I like, yeah. I like that pairing
0: that's what I was thinking about the whole time you were talking I was like well, that would be really good with that
3: maybe yeah, yeah yeah. it's a really unique movie the rituals like so I, I, I had a Mill Creek 50 set box set And it was one of the only modern movies Hmm. when I seen modern from the 80s because everything was like 50s or 60s. So I watched it. I didn't know what it was, even though it looked like crap because it was a Mill Creek, like 50 pack. But I was intrigued the entire film because I was like, I'd never seen older people in a situation like this really before.
1: Well, and and, then watching it this time, I was thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I should actually look it up, but it, it, it genuinely crossed my mind. Like, what if you just remake this movie, but you go with this satanic, like, because that stuff's really creepy in the middle of that movie. And you're like, what if that was happening to these people? What would happen? It's a That's a good movie already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know the rights. I'll have to, I'll try to do a little research between now and then to find out why this one. I mean, we know it was out for Code Red for a little while, but there must be a reason holding this back from Blu-ray.
3: Well, uh, my last is, a, is an obvious one. And the only reason why it's on my list is just because it's the first movie that I ever, like, I read about and I needed to find it. And when I needed to find it, I'm talking about, it was like the 80s and I couldn't you know, go online. I just, I had to like put on my Indiana Jones fedora and just freaking search for it. It was the first movie <laughs> that got me obsessed with trying to find a movie I couldn't oh, find. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. And it was, I read about it. I read about it in this magazine called Deep Red where I, I got I got it from a fang. I read about this magazine called Deep Red in Fangoria, ordered it, and this film just caught my eye. And so this is kind of like a 2 for. There's two films in here because this is a rip. First it's a rip off, and then the second film is a rip-off of a ripoff. <laughs> and so it's uh, it's the last shark. Now, local kids avenge friends death. Kill killer shark. I can see it on the network news already. What if your old man comes looking for his boat? No way.
2: He's too busy to go cruising.
1: Nice. And I love your shark stuff. I love it. Yeah,
3: and and then it's Jaws 5, because Jaws Five is a ripoff of the last shark, and the last shark is a ripoff of Jaws. Is so, it also The
1: Great White, or is that different?
3: It's the same movie. It's Great White, <laughs> The Last Shark, and then also sometimes it's called The Last Jaws. And then it's Jaws 5, and it's also referred to as <laughs> Cruel Jaws. It's my shark ride. It has to be. The hell it is!
2: The there are bodies out there. i more to come if we don't end this thing. It's coming right at him! Great White. The most terrifying motion picture of 1982. Great White. Rated PG.
3: But, oh. So what's weird is just, that The Last Shark came out and it played for like 2 weeks and Universal had it pulled from the theaters. And it kind of I guess it crippled the company because the company ended up like closing down a couple of years later. But they, they they pulled it from the theaters because The Last Shark is exactly Jaws beat for beat and Elements of Jaws too. But then in the 90s for some reason they just pretty much redid it for tv they used all the shark footage from the last shark but they just reshot all the characters and so it's interesting if you just compare the movies side to side like for instance there's a scene in the last shark where a bunch of kids jump on a boat to find the shark and so in jaws 5 it's the same scene a group of kids jump on a boat to find the shark but they just pretty much edit out all the scenes with the kids, and they just put in the new actors from the nineties. But uh, Jaws Five is way more entertaining. But the Last Shark is more gorier because which, when
1: which one has the jo- uh, the shark coming out kind of biting onto the helicopter?
3: Um, th- he bites the helicopter in the Last Shark. Yeah. But in Jaws Five, the guy falls from the helicopter into the water, and it cuts to like, oh, yeah. footage of Jaws Two, and then it ends. But in the last shark, <laughs> you do get the shark actually biting the helicopter. It's
1: it's amazing, and that I remember a lot of people like on race, but what are those uh, windsurfing? Yes, a whole windsurfing scene that like blew. I watched this for the, when you were on our uh, yeah, show, and the it regatta. blew my mind. Yeah, like, seriously, amazing movie.
3: And so, Jaws 5 uses the regatta scene from The Last Shark, but it also combines the finale of The Last Shark, also in what that. It, it gets really confusing. Do you have, I'm like, sorry. a detailed graph? Because um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I want you to create that I for need our a listeners. It, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I find both movies entertaining, but I always go for uh, Jaws 5. Because
1: so, I often see it referred to as Cruel Jaws. So, Cruel Jaws is which one of those?
3: Uh, it's The Last Shark. Jaws Five oh, is George Cruel version. Jaws, and then Last Shark is Great White. Cruel Jaws is amazing. Yes. So Gra-
0: awesome. Last Shark and Great White have Vic Morrow. Yes, and Cruel Jaws is the Italian version of
3: that. Yeah, with the Hulk Hogan. I thing. was just gonna say that. Yeah. <laughs> There's this dude oh, who looks right. just yes. like Hulk Hogan. Yes. Yes. It's yeah. amazing. We got to post that guy.
0: And they use like Star Wars music in Cruel yes, Jaws. Yes,
3: they use the Star Wars music. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's footage crazy. of and like underwater shots of Jaws. I remember this
0: is this is this came up screen factor was going to release this movie mm-hmm. and then everybody including myself and i think i maybe emailed or talked to you somewhere i don't know but i was like oh my god they're gonna put out <laughs> cruel jaws that's amazing and then i was like well wait a minute there's like star there's footage from other movies in it there's star wars music <laughs> yes. and then they uh, you know soon after that screen factor was like um yeah no we're not doing
1: that, that would actually. have a lot of clearances it, probably for that but what a cool say. movie if somebody oh somebody it's so good it. though uh, I love Cruel Jaws uh, one that's nowhere near as fun but it sounds like we're not talking about it just because uh, it's another kind of Jaws rip, but a, like a legit one I remember was Orca do you remember Orca?
0: oh yeah mm-hmm. with
1: Richard Harris I remember watching it. it's nowhere near as fun as that I mean but it's a very serious
0: it's like sad. Yeah, sad yeah.
1: It, it's an interesting movie but uh, yeah, you know it's more definitely more in line with oh we're gonna win an Oscar by making Jaws but an Oscar film which is also a weird choice but mm-hmm. it's it's a good one but yeah Cruel Jaws uh, Last Shark do you have a original poster of either of those? I remember always every time on eBay I always think about you and go one day I have to buy you a poster. Of one of those movies.
3: <laughs> I have the I have Great White's poster. Was that
1: the one with the mouth? The girl yeah. is just on a yeah. There's
3: actually sense. three posters for it. There's the teaser poster, which is kind of hard to find, with just the hand coming out of the water uh-huh. and a shark fin. Uh-huh. And then there's one with just shark facts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's I like that. So there's like oh. they, they they spent a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. On that, I mean, well, they spent seven million on the film, but then <laughs> marketing they spent like four million. And then you know, two weeks later, it got pulled from the theaters. How much was the original Jaws? Um, that's a good question. Probably like twenty. Yeah, I mean, but, but like I said, the company went under like a couple yeah. of years later.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're forced to pull your movie, I mean, yeah. game over. in this time, that's and cool. it's still
0: not really officially available. Not or? really. But
3: I actually I went. You
1: sent it to me once.
3: <laughs> I, I th- yeah, I sent it to you. Jaws five and. Oh,
0: yeah, $7 Jaws. Jaws is supposedly a $7 million movie. (laughs) So (laughs) it's more expensive
3: than Jaws. (laughs) Well, they shot it, they shot Last Jaws in like Malta. And supposedly someone (laughs) did die. I found like, I I did a lot of research on it. um, And I found like a newspaper article that someone did die while making that movie by a shark. Mm. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Yikes. Which is pretty.
1: And is that your favorite uh, shark exploitation film? Because I feel like while we're here, we should list another one. It's
3: not good, (laughs) but it is because it just took me forever to find and I just yeah. I really needed to see <laughs> and another and then, one yeah
1: I remember you read was Barracuda I remember was one. I always liked like
3: Barracuda just because they show the fish a lot and it has a really grim ending that kind of you know but it's one I do need to go back and revisit because after like I'm starting to learn now that movies I used to love now that I'm revisiting I've changed a lot, you know, (laughs) because Rupert years ago gave me the idea to do a uh, a a top 100 list, and then I update it like every year, and I start to notice like every year my taste does start to change, you know. Certain movies split, and like newer ones come in, so I do need to rewatch Barracuda, but I used to love it just because you sold out, man. Yeah, sold (laughs) out. No, but I still love like you know. Uh, that's cool you make beyond the
1: gates then you go mainstream that's fine (laughs) you know whatever (laughs) thanks a lot jackson for ruining this once interesting film fan because now i don't like
3: well no i i I just have to i have to rewatch barracuda but i used to like it quite a bit and i like up from the depths that's another oh yeah
0: you're the you're the reason i know about that movie (laughs) because i think we were talking about it and i saw you had a poster of it in in your (laughs) living room or something but i had never heard of that i so i had to buy the blu-ray when when uh, uh shout factory put it out um Need to pick
3: that up. Yeah, I, think it, releases, I think some random I think it's
0: still available, but it was like a limited run with the oh. Death Stalker and Death Stalker Two. So Ooh. see if it's hopefully it's still available.
3: Conan ripoffs. Yes. Yeah, oh that, my gosh. Yeah, we have an. <laughs> I, almost,
0: I almost did Death Stalker Two, but I was like, it's a sequel, but it's still a ripoff. Anyway. Um. So number, my number number one. My number one. Um, I rewatched it last night with my wife. It is from director Jack Shoulder, oh. Mr. The Hidden and Nightmare Two, among other things. Uh, This is a TV movie that he made in 1993. Now, it came out the same year as Groundhog Day. It's basically a ripoff, but apparently it's based on a short film that came out before that, so I don't know which came first, but it's called 1201.
3: But, Dr. Moxley, I think the time bounce has happened. This day is repeating. Hmm.
0: And it's got uh, uh, Jonathan Silverman. It's got Jeremy Piven. It's got Helen Slater. It's got, um, why am I always forgetting his name, from Ed Wood? We're, we've talked about him. He was just on Marin. Um, oh,
1: um, oh, uh, pull the string, Eddie. Um, yeah. Martin Landau.
0: Martin Landau's in it um, and some others. But basically, what I the way I like to encapsulate it, if I'm being really sort of broad, is like Office Space meets Groundhog Day with like a thriller aspect to it. When is this from? 93. Oh, so it's the same year as Groundhog Day. Uh, I want to say it came out in July. Groundhog Day came out in February. Huh. So it's like he... Uh, Silverman plays a guy who works for a company called Utrell and they make—it's—it's unclear what they do, but it's like science-y stuff. But he works like on a low level, uh, in a cubicle, and he like takes resumes and files resumes. And his buddy is played by Jeremy Piven, who's like awesome. Uh, the dude like just—they just kind of hang out at work. But so he—he goes through this whole day, and he has like a really shitty day. Like he's getting in all this trouble, and then um some bad shit goes down that I'm not going to necessarily ruin I'm going to let people figure yeah, it out good. but um then the day starts repeating and it gets more and more fun each time it happens cuz he starts to pick up on when things are happening and he draws like a little time map so he's like okay so and so is going to show up right now and 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 then he, it just gets funnier when he starts like parroting back what people will say to him. He, like, he knows what they're going to say. So anyway, there's a thriller aspect to it. There's a conspiracy level thing that's going on. But again, I don't want to spoil any of that stuff. But it's one that it has a really cheesy score. That's one thing I can't get around. It's kind of dopey. But overall, this movie has just endeared itself to me in a similar way to like 3 O'Clock High and huh. stuff like that. It's one of those that I like to show people.
1: I'm surprised it's, not, it's Jack Shoulder. That sounds totally yeah. quite different than his other films. I've never heard of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one, like I said, he made it for, I want to say like... Cable like Fox or something like that. Um, it's on DVD. I was just listening to his commentary today, actually, and um, it's interesting. He does a commentary on the DVD. I I don't know. It's it's a good movie, though. It's, I think Silverman could drive you a little crazy. I like him from Caddyshack 2 and Brighton Beach (laughs) (laughs) Memoirs and Weekend of Bernie's. Weekend of Bernie's is definitely the one that people remember him from. Um, but he and Piven have a great rapport, and Piven's just like in that early stage where he's—you can tell he's—he's he's just a great like office mate. Like he just nails that, you know. Yeah. Um, and and Landau is like the head of the company, kind of a snooty dude. Oh man. Anyway, That's, that sounds fun. It's very Groundhog Day, and uh, I've always been a so fan. So,
1: it was—would it have been in production at the exact same time? You think, or? I
0: mean. It could have been, but like I said, it's already, it's based on a short film that I think must have come out before Uh, 93. So it's just one of, like a time bounce movie is not, I guess, maybe, uh, there was obviously stuff before Groundhog Day. There's a movie called Retroactive that I really like. That's another time bounce movie. Uh, That's got Frank Whaley, Jim Belushi.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember that one.
0: Yeah, that's another Uh one that's Uh that's pretty good, but more like a straight thriller. Um, So time bounce movies in general is something I've always kind of loved, and I actually feel like there should be more of them. Oh uh, yeah, so anywhere.
1: I love that. Uh, it, well, this shows like kind of a taste a lot, like how different our fives are, like in different kind of worlds, which I like. Uh, it's kind of a nice surprise. That saying, I wouldn't have picked. I think we we talked just before we started rolling, saying we expected to have like two or three clashes, and there hasn't been a single overlap. Yeah. with three people, that's pretty wild. Uh, you've got your um, you've got your uh, holy grail with the Cruel sharks. This was my holy grail of these movies. The the problem with uh some of the movies we've talked about is they do rip off another movie and some of them have actually ripped off like two movies which is kind of one uh my favorite um rips off every movie <laughs> every movie ever made that you've enjoyed and liked has been ripped off by this movie and brian's already i, I i'm gonna now call it katie's curse uh but it's called the visitor the <laughs> visitor
2: Katie Collins, she'll be eight years old.
1: (laughs) And this movie (laughs) was something I had seen stills of, and I'd heard of, and I and I had never heard too much like, oh, whether it's great or I I just was like, I'm curious about that picture with John Huston. I wonder what that is. And then a couple years ago, when uh, Draft House finally put it on, and I went to a, a screening of it everyone I sat with walked out going, eh, I didn't really like it. And I was looking at them like I'd just been, like I, I, I kind of didn't want to be their friend anymore. <laughs> like, uh, and I won't say who they are, but if you're listening to this, just know we're not that close anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And because I my brain had actually been expanded. there's maybe be limited. Kind of like what uh, Jodorowsky used to say about El Topo. If you're limited, El is limited. But if you're unlimited, El Topo is unlimited. That's how I felt about The Visitor. Let me just read to you, for those who aren't aware. I know it's a fairly uh, recent that it's come back. about, uh, you know, the soul of a young girl with telekinetic powers becomes the prize in a fight between forces of God and the devil. Now, if you heard that, nothing in that says it's ripping off uh, Exorcist, uh, Bad Seed, Close Encounters of the Third Kind in a major way at the time. Uh, I'm trying to think what other ones I was writing down. Uh, Carrie, the birds, the birds in a big way. Uh, And then, weirdly enough, there's Lady from Shanghai references. This movie is literally like, oh, shit. And And the crazy part is it's Fellini's assistant. So the guy who had been Fellini's assistant in all these movies, you know, come to America and I've heard nothing but just the most bonkers stories. I don't know if any of them are going to be on the Blu-ray or not because they were always told at screenings. So they're obviously kind of, ooh, these are the crazy stories behind the scenes of this film. But uh, the director called himself Michael J. Paradise, uh, but his real name was Gioli Paradisi. Uh, He was um, a character from the sound of it. uh, There's an American screenwriter credited... For this movie and he tells a story which i think might be one of my favorite images in my brain which is uh he writes the script and he's typed it all on on a typewriter and he's uh, like uh 20 stories up in a building and the director comes to his house this italian director and he's writing the script for the guy uh the director walks in and he was kind of put with him it wasn't like the director chose him and the director walks in uh and walks into the room and he hands the script to the director. And the director takes the script, walks to the window, and threw the script out the window of a 20-story building. And he said, that was how much of my script is in the final script. So he has a credit on this. That's the last anyone ever saw of a script. He watched it flying into the wind. So he literally says, like, nothing of mine. There's no other copy of that. That is the director. out. That wasn't even the most crazy. The craziest story was... uh, I guess a producer uh, fired the director. I'm going to probably butcher it, but it was told to me at one of the screenings, and it's just one of those great stories. Uh, I guess the the director wanted like an elephant or something, just something super like, what the hell is he talking about? Uh, A producer fired him uh, from the film, and it might be vice versa. I I might get these roles wrong. Uh, And the producer returned home that night, and outside his door, there was a guy standing there, and he goes to open his door, and the guy standing in front of his door opens his jacket, shows him a gun, and said, you're going to rehire the director. Oh, and it was like a mafia thing, and he rehired oh, him, and God. Michael J. Paradise and, and, oh, I think in the court was, and give him whatever he wants to make this movie.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And that's exactly what he got. <laughs> because this movie, okay, like, if, I mean, a lot of you have probably seen it, so you're, like, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I just told you that Django plays an intergalactic Jesus, <laughs> like, everyone is hard right now. Everyone. <laughs> You know, like, uh, different levels of heart. Some of you, you know, I know, that's tough. Uh, It's almost like Jodorowsky made this crazy movie, but, like, it's intentional. Uh, You weren't convinced, I get it. You're like, "Ah, I'm not that. What if I told you Sam Peckinpah's in this movie and is blind drunk the entire time, can't remember his lines? So he's dubbed Sam Peckinpah is playing a doctor in this movie and he is dubbed it's not name. even his uh and then you throw in like classy actors like Glenn Ford who is uh, really good in it uh and he has to deal with this little you know Kathy's curse like a uh, girl who just keeps swearing at him and stuff and it's super awkward and bizarre uh who else is in there uh Shelley Winters is amazing and I love her and everything uh, one of my favorite actresses but she's playing like this uh, kind of bad nanny well you think she's a bad nanny but then the girl's a thousand times worse, uh, and Lance Henriksen in one of his earliest roles, playing the owner of the Atlanta Hawks. So it's all about he's like he's like the owner of the Atlanta basketball. So he opens at an NBA game, and like somebody goes to do a dunk, and it cuts to the little girl staring at the hoop, and the hoop explodes, and suddenly everyone's freaking out. And then Lance Henriksen goes home to the secret society where they're voting what to do next. And you're like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> and then the movie, for the most part, is bad seed. Like if it's one movie, the girl, it's a bad seed movie. But the second half goes all the way close encounters alien abduction and then it's like god for the devil intergalactic god john huston you know uh you know who who had sex with his fucking daughter in Chinatown uh you know is on a thing he's he's operatically waving in aliens at the end i'm like i don't know where this film fits, but I love that it just took so many liberties with everything. And uh, I watched the trailer. I didn't have time to watch the movie again. It's been a couple years now. Watching the trailer made me like, because they have a nice trailer now, because it's a a draft house. It it made me so happy. (laughs) It made me excited to rewatch it. I think it's got a different title, Strigulum or something. Might have been the Italian release, but all these things we talked about today, in a way, and the reason I wanted it at the end is because I I really feel like it's doing all of those, but it had budget and money. It, it had a you know it had the weight and the the fun, most fun part about the story is you think of uh, John Huston, especially a movie like this, and you're going to be like, oh god, it's going to be total, you know? Why would John Huston be in this? Uh, the the story goes that he was really good friends with the director, and that's why he did it. He was, they were old buddies, uh, probably because of the Fellini connection, and he. Um, uh, he actually watched it and apparently didn't always watch things he appeared. And he went up to him one day and said, Oh, that's a good movie, kind of thing. And people, you know, th- thought that was interesting. And when he died, somebody went into his house and on the VHS, next to his TV and VHS player, was a copy, like just sitting right next to the player of the visitor and somebody was like so he really actually genuinely had been watching The Visitor and enjoying it as a movie wow. and I'm like oh that's so good wow. um, it, yeah and this isn't one that's so bad it's good fuck that this is like a guy shooting for the fucking heavens and maybe hitting just outer space but still hitting somewhere uh, and, it, and it's and it got more bonkers scenes I, I was gonna save it because I know at some point we have to do like an episode just called holy fucking shit
0: I was gonna say this is one of the, it's the ultimate. ultimate
1: I think every five minutes there's a holy fucking shit moment um, but you know what we can talk about about it again when we get there because absolutely it's special this is and if you haven't seen it then draft house has a beautiful blu-ray and a lot of these stories and i'll do one other plug Uh, one of my favorite episodes of um mike white's the projection booth did this episode and i loved it because there was a lot of good interviews lance hamrickson being interviewed about it, it was great to hear his memory like oh yeah, that crazy fucking movie uh you know And but he you know he kind of remembered it fondly and uh anyway a terrific terrific strange uh strange movie but uh so uh, yeah, And I know uh, when I invited um, Stephen on, I, I said to him, because I knew he would have a lot more <laughs> than five, so I did want to open up if we had a couple, because there's one I, I didn't uh, mention, which I only didn't mention it because I was sure it was going to be on yours, and that's Lady Terminator. It says here all three of these guys died with their cocks bitten off. Could be a small
2: animal. I've heard of the ultimate
3: blowjob, but uh, this is too much.
0: I thought he was gonna pick Lady Terminator too.
3: <laughs> no, I like Lady Terminator a lot, but I went with uh, Terminator Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if Which you haven't is, seen uh, Lady Terminator, it's an Australian
1: yeah. actress in a Thai movie, right? It's Thai.
3: Yeah, I think it's Ty, Yeah, right? it's Ty. And it's actually
1: a really cool movie. Like it's fun. Yeah. It's like a it's it's a ripoff for sure, but it does a lot of its own original like black magic voodoo things mm-hmm. and uh she's really good in it and it's kinda it's, sexy.
3: Yeah, I think it's a solid film. Yeah. I, 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 I really enjoy it for what it's like, you know, yeah, it, it's a solid fun action film, actually. Yeah. I like it a lot. because yeah, there was a lot of Terminator rip offs. There was like also like Eve of Destruction, which was oh, like yeah. another oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then There was another one with lines. a woman called Program to Kill. Uh huh. And then, uh, um, sure,
1: 2000 isn't exactly, but I guess it's in that kind of wheelhouse. A little Mad Max, a little bit of that, you yeah, know. Yeah, I guess it's,
3: yeah, that, that was that's I, a fun It movie. always blows my mind. That's the guy who did Miracle Mile. Miracle Mile, yeah, Steve DeJong. Yeah, so bizarre. But, um, no, I just wrote down like a movie and then the the ripoffs that, you know, I mean, like how many, I mean, like what would be your guys like favorite Gremlins ripoff, for instance?
0: Uh, Critters. Mm-hmm. Mm. what what else you got there so there's like ghoulies munchies
3: yeah the munchies god I saw munchies in the theater oh my god is that else? and then I then I left <laughs> it was so bad I left is that Warnowski
0: um I don't know no that's is Jennifer
3: Love Hewitt in one of them what is that one yeah I I left munchies to go see Ernest Goes to Camp that's like how <laughs> like, he chose well yeah but uh, Elves is a pretty good one. And, oh, my uh, God, Elves. And I love the Puppet Master franchise. Like, I love, like, Puppet Master 2, 4, and 5 a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right You're getting a big
1: budget remake, right? I have no idea. I, that's what no, I No, the I, Bone he, Tomahawk guy wrote it.
3: Really? And Barbara Crampton's on board? Yeah, or?
1: yeah, it's, it's actually happening for real. I'd like awesome. to
3: see. I mean, I don't really like the first uh, Puppet Master, but I think 2 is really solid, and I think they do something interesting with 3. But 4 and 5, I really like. Because that's when they turn good. I think you can watch that with your daughter. Yeah, yeah, four and five. Because that's when they turn good.
0: Oh, nice. You know? I'm surprised yeah, no one did many. I've seen maybe the first one. It's ridiculous. I've not seen any of the puppet masters. Yeah,
3: the first one's not really. I'm not really into. the And that first might have been one, why though. I didn't go any further. Because yeah. I was like, oh, I was okay, but but two is uh, is I think is much better. I gotta watch these sequels. And, and then no, just, yeah, but you can stop after probably five because. <laughs> You know, from there, it's. I mean, they're they're at least they're interesting because they do like retro puppet master. They they go back to World War Two and stuff like that. So at least they do interesting things. But nice. after five, you know, like you know, it's like after Trancers two, it really yeah. Starts... Trancers
1: two is cool. One and two are fun. Yeah, but do you, so you consider those Gremlins ripoffs? I kind like of, I guess, like you're bringing a toy kinda, home, and I
3: mean, or would it be a a uh, a child's play? Yeah, I mean, off? child's
1: play had a lot, and I was totally yeah. expecting somebody here to do one of the child Dolly Dearest. Neither none of us had seen it. Sounds, yeah, I sounds like seen <laughs>
3: Pinocchio's Revenge. Yeah,
1: there's there's a ton, and
3: then um, tons of Jaws, like. I can't believe how many Exorcist ones came up.
1: Oh yeah, and we didn't talk about Beyond the Beyond the <laughs> Door, which is a major one. Like that movie's crazy. Yeah, it's fun though. That's a fun fun ripoff. Yeah. Jack
3: Jackson introduced me to that one. He took me to New Beverly. and I just how much Campbell like the kid drinks Campbell's soup throughout that whole film. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what disturbs me the <laughs> most about that film.
1: A, a, a ripoff I haven't seen yet, but somebody sent it to us, a Shockwaves listener, and I'm I'm excited to hear it. it is the All Deaf Dracula ripoff Defula? And I'm really curious to watch that one. It's all in sign language, and he's like literally, it's just Dracula, but he's deaf, which you can you can actually rip off Dracula without it being a ripoff, technically, because of the copyright. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some of these stories are legally uh, something you can re- redo because of the copyright laws. Uh, Alligator, I figured, will come up on another show because we all think that's just a top notch uh, script by sale. I
3: love Kill the Alligator movies. Oh, reason. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's there was the, a little spate of those for a little while. Yeah.
0: You know? What's the Italian one? I'm trying to think of. Um, the Great Alligator. Yeah. Who directed that? I
1: do not know off the top. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think that we probably gave people <laughs> a number of movies to listen to this week. I, I, I think this is the most I've
0: had to kind of. Yeah. I have, I have just a couple. Well, actually, just one. I mean, because I, I had Battle Beyond the Stars and Star Crash. Yeah. I mean, I felt like those are more obvious, but I didn't do, but then I, I like, uh, Danning. Oh in, my God. in that movie. Oh my God. Carol, Carolyn Moreau. Um, but there's one called remote from 1993. This is a kid's movie, but it's, it's a straight home alone ripoff basically. Oh yeah. 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 The kid has it. all the remote control toys and shit. It's, oh, it's yeah. from full moon. It's, it's, uh, produced by full moon, and, but it's never gotten, uh, anything beyond a VHS release that I know of. Um, Which is too bad because I like that stuff. I was showing my daughter the pre-hysteria movies, and I was trying to think: (laughs) are those like kind of Jurassic Park, but they aren't exactly. So, uh, but even those have foreign DVDs, but this doesn't. So,
1: yeah, this this week will be a little trickier to track down some of the titles, but YouTube, and we'll definitely put up trailers for everything.
3: There's one Home Alone ripoff I just can't find. It's called Deadly Games or Silent Night, and it's like it's supposed to be like a little bit more bloodier version of Home Alone.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that one.
3: I can't find it anywhere. But another, you know. there, there was a bunch of Predator ripoffs. There's like an interesting Filipino one you can watch on YouTube, which is pretty. It's charming. It's called Bangus, B-A-N-G-I-S, <laughs> because you know it's just it's charming. And then there's Red Brown and Robo War. Oh, and Red then, Brown. Then I guess Van Dam ripped off himself <laughs> because Bloodsport, you know, kind of spawned Blood Fist, but Van Dam remade Bloodsport with the Quest. Oh my gosh! If you gosh, think about yeah, it, yeah. You know, ripped himself off, and then. <laughs> I guess, you know, a cool alien one was Alien 2 because they tried to do alien on Earth, but instead of a chest papa, it was a face papa. The alien pops out of the guy's face.
1: Are you a Contamination fan? I found that a little like, slow.
3: Contamination is kind of... I, it, there's, I like the, the, the gore effects. Yeah,
1: the aesthetics, the aesthetics of the alien sequences are great, mm-hmm. but the, all the drama in between feels more like zombie than it does an alien movie, and it just kind of drags.
3: Yeah, zombie, you know. Yeah, it, exactly. I, I like alien ripoffs when they kind of... when they make a different... When they take Giger's design, like like for, like for I brought up Forbidden World, they literally took Giger's design and combined it with Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors. So I just love like, that extreme big-faced teeth. L-
1: I feel like life kind of does that. The alien in the new movie, Life, it felt like a ghostly—I uh, kept joking. It felt like the, the prequel to uh, Little Shop of Horrors of how it got here. Or how something. is it? I, I didn't really care for it much. It has a couple of good scenes. It's a B movie for sure. It's like a big budget B movie, but you're kind of like, why does this exist? It's a strange one. It just doesn't. It doesn't. The cast. The difference is like when you watch Alien, you're like, man, the cast of this. You believe they're all these working class guys and they're really interesting. This is like kind of intellectuals and they're something kind of cold about it. But uh, you know, some people are liking it.
3: Yeah, I I would like. I was curious about that. I like sci fi horror. I
1: mean, it's shot beautifully. It's it looks great. Um. We, uh, I think we probably are, are at our time. I mean, there's so many, so many yeah. interesting ones. We'll probably, uh, maybe get you to give us a couple, like a uh, little guest post or something. It'd be cool to, like, uh, keep this this weirdness going <laughs> oh,
3: there, there was one last one uh, There was a Carrie ripoff I used to love When I was a kid Called Jennifer Because she, oh, yeah. she got picked oh, yeah. on But she can control Insects Not insects like snakes, snakes right Yeah, yeah so that one was I think Scorpion
0: Put out a Blu-ray of that Yeah, oh, yeah. I'd um, never seen that until I haven't
3: it. seen it Since I was a kid actually But I used to love that movie
0: Yeah I like, I like Carrie Sometimes I Well I don't want to say I like Carrie ripoffs More than Carrie <laughs> But sometimes I feel more Like watching a Carrie ripoff
3: yeah,
1: and that's the funny thing. Like, we say ripoffs, but when we think about the genres we're talking about, these, some of these just become tropes that everyone then does. Because so, otherwise, every slasher film, we'd look back as a ripoff of Halloween. But they're not always, you know. And Halloween's just after Black Christmas, so who's ripping off who? But uh, anyway, there's, there's a lot of cool movies uh, S- stuck it's in deep. Yeah, just deep. Like who's ripping of off who yeah. <laughs> thanks man <laughs> we're going to end on a deep end. I'm going to give a, a quick shout out to the uh, thanks to the now playing, now streaming uh, now streaming god I was going to call playing. them now playing network god you guys get your name straight you know if you're going to be our network please like just fall in line okay uh, the, thanks to the now playing network uh, and I'm going to especially give a plug to their show uh, supporting characters which I'm always a fan of but especially because uh, Brian here is a, the guest on this new episode. Uh, and it was cool for me to hear for a couple hours. Uh, you know, about your origin story, if it was a superhero and kind of some of the things I didn't know about you and some of the things you do have done that were before, you know, we started coming in touch. I think it's a really good episode. uh, And I I always like Bill's show. Um, but I must admit I'm on his side now when he says it'll be a little weird if he does his interview with me, because it'll sound like he works for the corporation.
0: That's all right. I mean, but I appreciate that you, that you like the interview. It was fun to talk to Bill and it's a great show. And I'm not, I don't know about my episode. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, you know people people can check it out if they're interested in more personal details about me and my story
1: um so, yeah, so give that a listen. Uh, they've always got a ton of new shows, and we'll uh, pick a different one next week. So uh, thanks, uh, Stephen, for joining us. Before we go, uh, I, I totally forgot, but I'm not going to let you go until you at least tell us just the, the, the kind of byline. You're working on a film that I just am utterly fascinated and, like, so excited, and I think there's the perfect crowd to hear what it is Yeah, with Jim Coons. Uh, just give us a little taste of what it's going to be. Uh,
3: yeah, it's really quick. I'm producing for Jim a uh, documentary on movie novelization. So we're still in the process, but, you know yeah thank you for letting me play oh no man you like
1: when you we were sitting was it at the deadly pricing no it was at um back to school right yes we were sitting at uh, the, these outdoor screenings i was talking about and we saw back to school together And we're sitting next to each other And when you started telling me i got so excited because i wasn't a kid who uh grew up on novelizations i have a, actually a weird thing about if i see a movie i'll never read the book no matter what doesn't matter what you do i don't care like i'll never ever like the shining i've never been able to read because i've seen the movie i don't want to read your your stinking uh book stephen king i've seen stanley uh but when It comes to when then I started recently looking at some of these and then became obsessed with The Pit, um, which I'm really (laughs) genuinely obsessed by, which is probably another knockoff. Uh, And then I started finding out about this book called The Teddy and realizing that it's like, you know, written after The Pit, but it's totally different and it's a darker take and i was like oh i need to read this book but it's like 150 dollars on ebay so i, I then start talking to you about all this stuff so <laughs> this is a movie that i think uh people like us are going to be really i i know i know your brian's going to be chomping at the bit
0: huge yeah. huge novelization fan yeah you know and i cannot wait for this movie
1: and they have interviews with the, the all the big writers from that period who were doing these books right
3: yeah we got some cool people we got Andine foster we got david morrell we got some really cool people it's been you know, that's a good book to pick up is the Rambo one because it's the guy who wrote First Blood, and then wrote the novelizations for Rambo, so he really knew the character and actually, yeah, you know. But I, you know, that's well, really no, no, it's really cool. We'll and we will, you know, it. when it's closer,
1: we'll make sure we talk about it. But <laughs> do you good. think you're this year, or do you no idea? Uh,
3: well, we're still we're still shooting and, and doing stuff right now. It's a uh, you know, there's a lot of authors and they're they're kind of spread out, so you know, we're getting as many as we can right now. I just want to get as many voices as possible. And we will
1: be um, one thing I want to do on uh, social media this week. We're going to be taking odds; it'll be like a betting pool whether Danny Perry documentary will come out before <laughs> his documentary. So within the next four to seven years, yeah, we're hoping well, that's, uh, one of these films will. Like, that's, that's <laughs> absolutely, that's documentaries, man. Yeah, it's, man it's, I'm going to stay on Brian's case. That way, uh, I'll force your hand. I appreciate it. I was listening to the episode today. That's why. Anyway, thanks, thanks shooting. as always for listening. Uh, th- uh, please rate and review it if you can. You guys have been beautiful. Uh, the comments are great, and we take. It to heart and we keep doing this because we love movies and we also love hearing from you guys uh, and we're having a, a good time doing it <music>